Grab your strap-on elf ears and bring your hairy foot fetish. Crawl out of your hobbit holes. Time for adventure. Welcome to the Movie Dicks Podcast. I'm Paul Schindel, your host for the week. My dwarf co-host is Gabriel Chavez. <laughs> and to round out our party, we have a special guest burglar, Laura. Hello. She's a social media manager yeah. at a company in uh, the Bay Area. And we've known her for a long time. And she is a self-certified Lord of the Rings nerd, I believe. Indeed. Yeah. All right. I think it's being so today. Certified. I think <laughs> certified. She's certified yeah. Lord of the Rings. Uh, is there a board of certification for? Uh, I'm sure there is somewhere. Lord of the Rings and or... you know, I would say Tolkien. You know, not just Lord of the Rings. You know, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Today we ride a pig into battle and pierce <laughs> the armored hide of the 2014 movie <laughs> The Hobbit, colon, The Battle of the Five Armies. <laughs> Before we get started, we are going to spoil this movie. We might even besmirch your love for the Lord of the Rings movie. <laughs> Be warned! Doom is upon you. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's hunt some orcs. I mean, let's get started. All right. <clears throat> Witness the defining chapter of the Middle-earth saga, the epic conclusion to the Hobbit trilogy. That's all I could find like as far as taglines is kind of sad, honestly. What? Just, Come on, man. There's got to yeah, be a better one than I have else. Come on. Uh, there's a bunch of complicated ones, but nothing, I also take issue with the whole the nothing final really good. chapter mm. of the Middle-earth saga because, you know, this precedes Lord of the Rings. So it's it like Oh, well, this is sorry, this is the defining chapter. Oh, thank you. All right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I misread that or you misheard. Whatever. Whatever. All right. The Battle of the Five Armies, or sorry, The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. Uh, Excuse me. Or uh, (laughs) as we shall refer to it, (laughs) T-H-B-O-T-T-F-A. I'm not referring to it like that. (laughs) Was released in... No? All right. Was released in 2014 as a Warner Brothers New Line Cinema and Metro Goldwyn Goldwyn Mayer release. You see, MGM owned the rights to The Hobbit from the Tolkien estate, which were acquired by Warner Brothers and produced by New Line after Warner Brothers acquired New Line after New Line almost went bankrupt (laughs) after the disastrous movie The Golden Compass, which didn't go well domestically but did very well overseas, but New Line sold the overseas rights to a third party. Uh, still, still wait, following. That that can't be the real reason why they went under. But There's continue, continue. <laughs> it was filmed entirely in New Zealand as part of a two-movie duology, but then expanded and bloated into a massive <laughs> nine-hour trilogy. Part of the expansion may have to do with a small technicality in a contract. You see, Harvey Weinstein, we all know, his his, his scumbag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He owned Rod in jail, you fucking cunt. <laughs> he owned part of the rights to a Hobbit movie, but due to the technicality, he would only receive his percentage of the first movie of any series. Oh wow. So more movies equals less money for that fucking rapist asshole. Anyways. Really? Wow, that's yep, crazy, yeah. man. I had yeah, no yeah. idea actually. 
We all know New Line for their stupendous gamble in the simultaneous filming of three big-budget fantasy movies helmed by a little-known New Zealand director known as Peter Jackson. These movies, of course, are The Lord of the Rings. Here's a little fact for you. Although filming two sequels at once is pretty commonplace, I mean, there's a hundred examples of that, there's only two other trilogies outside of the uh, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit that were ever filmed simultaneously. Those were 1934 Les Miserables, Les Miserables. Uh, part <laughs> one, two, and like three. That, but I'm, I'm and... pretty sure it wasn't how you said it, Paul. That's all I can say. <laughs> Los Miserables, let's say that. <laughs> and uh, 1957's The Aztec Mummy which I haven't wow. seen. I don't know what the fuck that is, but no, no idea what that is. And that's, yeah, those are the only uh, trilogies that have been filmed simultaneously. That's so, crazy. Look at that, huh? New Line, of course, we've gone into them before, but they've made a shitload of, like, movie franchise series, including the 1980 Freddy Krueger Nightmare on Elm Street series, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Austin Powers, Rush Hour Jack Tan, and Chris Tucker. Sure. The Mask and Dumb and Dumber with Jim Carrey. They've made it some other random shit before, too, but they're kind of the primary in this movie. Side note, a personal fuck you from me to Jackie wow. Chan because oh. he's a piece of shit. All right. All right. No, no, no. You know, you know why I'm saying that, right? You know, you know why I'm <laughs> yeah. saying You know why. Well, you know why I'm yes. saying that, right? Yes, I am pretty sure. Jackie Chan, like, kicked his homosexual daughter out of the house yeah. and abandoned her and still hasn't. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Fuck him. Mm -hmm. Anyway, continue. <laughs> All right, so before we get into the rest of the cast and true, I have to ask both of you, what level of Lord of the Rings nerds are you? On a scale <laughs> from 1 to 10, 1 being Lord of the Rings, that has that Harry Potter wizard, right? And uh, a 10 being uh, I keep some elf ears and a loot in my drawer if I want to be romantic and a beard and a dwarf axe if I want to do something a little more risque. Oh, interesting. So, uh, uh, what what I'll, level of? Uh, I'm, I'm going to defer to Laura first because I'm mine is not impressive. The scale that you develop right now. So you said one to ten, right? One to ten, correct? Yeah. Paul, so, said, so I was ready, so ready one to say ten, yeah. I'm a twenty, until you indicated what it entailed to be a ten. You know. So now I don't know right, where to right, place myself. But let's say this: I lived in breathe middle earth for most of my teens you know i i was obsessed with it oh wow uh, probably unhealthy level maybe you know and in those times being a nerd or whatever <laughs> was called the nerd or a geek wasn't cool you know i was like the outcast in high school because i had my nose stuck in lord of the rings mm -hmm. and everybody was i don't know doing something else um <laughs> but yeah i love it with passion it's a it's a big part of my life and it's, it was a big part of you know formative years and i even credit the first one of the rings movie with helping me learn english or perfect my english oh wow, that's but awesome there's a lot there's a lot of you know me learning english because spanish is my first language that i credit to my love of you know this type of things because i would watch these movies you know and and read these books so yeah. I learned a lot mm -hmm. watching the first Lord of the Rings movies. I could tell you phrases that, you know, they used up the word must because Elrond <laughs> said the ring must be destroyed, you know? And I'm like, must, 
okay, that, what does that mean? And, and it, I can tell you like that, many, many other moments or phrases or things I learned watching that movie over and over and over and over again. So yeah, guys, I really, really yeah, love wow. Tolkien and everything that has to do with it. So there, <laughs> that's me. I don't put a number to it. <laughs> that's amazing, do you, man. Do you ever... <laughs> All right, we'll just call you a, a 9.5. No, yeah. no elf ears. No elf maybe ears. A, maybe a dwarf beard. beard. <laughs> I, you know what? If I grew up in the U.S., I might have had a lot of memorabilia, but I grew up in Venezuela. I'm from Venezuela, as you know, in Latin America. We don't have access to the type of stuff you guys get here, like props and things, you know? So I would have probably had Extreme elf ears. commercialism, if you will. <laughs> exactly. So I probably would have owned elf ears if I could right. find them, you know? Yeah. I would probably had Arwen's pendant if I could, yeah, you know, had yep. access to it. Yep. You know, but hint trip Christmas had, present. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> the most I had were action figures and every single Tolkien-related book I could get my hands on, including oh, yeah. books about the movies and books about the books mm -hmm. and the main books. You know, and that's yeah. that's what it is. Nice. There. So we'll put you down as a nine point five. All right, all right, Gabe. What's what's your level? All right, so I, I will just start off by saying that I think The Lord of the Rings is the greatest trilogy ever made. Like, even over the original Star Wars, and, and even over, I mean, the Godfather trilogy is not great because the third chapter is a piece of shit, but besides fact, it, <laughs> any trilogy that you can point to, like, that is celebrated, the, you know, the Man With No Name trilogy, Indiana Jones, whatever, like, Lord of the Rings for me is the best out of all the trilogies that have ever been created. And like I obsess over them constantly. I read the books. I read The Hobbit, but like I haven't read them in well over 15 years. So my actual memory of the literary aspect of it is lower than most people. I would feel. But I mean, I as a film buff, as you know, as both of you guys know, I'm obsessed with every little detail on how these movies are made and how they got put together, as well as like the film history behind it, the technical merits of it, how they did certain shots. I can tell you all these fucking little details of how shit happened in order to create this world because I love it. I love the film version of this and I'm so happy that it's not as awful as the 1974 version or the 1978 <laughs> version, which is complete garbage. Yeah. But that being said, I comparatively... Have you, have you seen the uh, 80s Soviet version? I have not. That's that's uh, uh, that's yeah. a blind spot. Check on that my... shit out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, I in terms of your scale, I would say that I know that I'm not as knowledgeable as Laura or Trip on this because like they read it and you know, but I do watch it every single year. Like I cannot get in the mood for Christmas without watching Lord of the Rings. Yes. They just associate it. I have to watch the trilogy. <laughs> And The Hobbit, yeah. like, I've kind of fallen off on watching The Hobbit every year. It's more important to me that I watch Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit isn't as important for me to watch it every year for Christmas. But I do try to watch at least The Hobbit every year. I don't always get to it, but I try to watch the trilogy every year. But all that being yeah. said, in terms of your scale, Paul, I would say if lore is a 9.5, then I got to be a 7. <laughs> Maybe somewhere in there. I don't trust full scale. I'm very wary of full scale. Let's just let's just put it put it there. But but okay. 
Yeah, but I mean, that, that's roughly where I lie. But I will say that I am obsessed with these movies. They bring me endless joy. I will never stop loving these movies, and I will never stop watching them because I just cannot get enough. They are magic as far as I'm concerned. And that is a huge feat for somebody that literally finds a problem in every fucking movie that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> with Lord of the Rings, they're perfect. I cannot bitch about right. one fucking thing about Lord of the Rings, but... Which, all right, yes, all right. You know, Gabe, I just want to say that if you know Gabe, you know how big of a deal it is that he does. He can't find something to hate on yeah. in these movies because uh, Gabe, I love you, but yeah, he hates on things like like it's your job. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. And, and that's where this podcast comes, comes from. Correct me. All the wrong, hatred that I have. Yes. Yeah. All the hate. You know, I love you, but it's I, a lot of hatred there. It had yeah. to be said. All right. It had to be well, said. well, 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 well. All right. All right, let's let's put your your nerdism to the test with some token Lord of the Rings trivia. Oh, fuck. Uh, don't put me on the spot like that. To be fair, I haven't read the books in a while, but let's go. Well, we'll let's see. see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. All right, you have access to the uh, the Zoom reactions. There's a little one that says oh, raise yes, hand. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. All right, get ready to raise your hands. Oh yeah. All right. Okay. Get ready to raise your hands. All right, here we go. Here we go. Let's do an easy one first. Who was set to direct the two-part Hobbit adaptation before Peter Jackson took over? I raised my hand. Oh, but yeah. Sorry. You were supposed I don't to know be calling who, who first. Fuck you. <laughs> the whole point. You know, what? I'm not doing the reactions. I'm just raising my hand. Yeah. Yeah, that's I better, mean, actually. You're on video. Yeah, uh, that's easier. All I'm right. pretty sure I raised it before you went. All right. We're going to have to do audio cues. Who was first? You guys saw. Uh, I mean, I that's an easy question. one. <laughs> Right. Who was I, I feel like you're I was go. first, but all right, fine. Gabe. Okay, Gabe, you Let's go, Gabe. <laughs> uh, Guillermo del Toro. That is right. That is right. <laughs> all right, good job, Gabe. You get you get one point of. I'm so nervous. <laughs> right, so it's right there. <laughs> all right, yeah. of the. I... All right, we're gonna raise our hands and yell out. All right, all right. whatever. I don't know. Of the original trilogy's cast, who was the biggest Tolkien fan? And arguably should have gotten the different role. Laura. Laura, go ahead. All right, Laura. Christopher Lee. Christopher, Christopher Lee. Lee? That's right! He was the only Sir person. Christopher Lee. <laughs> yes. He was yes, the only right. person in the cast or crew to ever meet Tolkien. And he had been wanting to play Gandalf since, like, the fucking yeah. 1970s or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's yeah. no longer with us, so yeah, yeah. It's a bummer. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. All right. Who? No, I mean, if there was a if there was a Lord of the Rings nerd, I would say that you know Christopher Lee. I would say that he was near the top, you know, in terms of worldwide nerds yeah. for sure. Because right, the right. amount of I knowledge mean, was, that man had is insane. He, and, and he was famous because he carried the book around with him on set, and he was constantly referenced, referencing yeah. the book mm -hmm. when they were shooting. Calling the out Peter Jackson's bullshit. Say, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to say about Guillermo uh, that as much as I love Guillermo del Toro, and you guys know I, I love him, he's one of my favorite directors, and as much as I think it would have been super interesting to see his vision, mm -hmm. I am so happy Peter Jackson mm -hmm. ended up oh, making yeah. it. You know, I have the opposite feelings is, here. Yeah. You know, there is something to be said about 
the consistency of it, you know, the unified vision yeah. and the, the coherence that comes from the fact that the same man directed all six films. Even the um, style, like yeah, the style love, would be radically yeah, exactly, different. Exactly, you know, the visual style, the, the, the lighting, you know, it, it looks like they all inhabit the same world. Guillermo would have probably done something amazing. It would have looked incredible, yeah, no doubt. but it would have been very, very different. And Can we I go back in time and go to the alternate <laughs> timeline and see what his look like? Yeah, because yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I'm, exactly. As a film I'm, card, I'm genuinely fucking like yes. wondering what that looked yeah. like. Yeah, for sure. For all sure. right, all right. Who was Sauron's boss in the first age? Laura. Morgoth. Morgoth, yes. Yeah. Also known as Melkor before he turned to the dark. And way, way worse than Sauron. Oh, powerful. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Morgoth. How long did he... Yeah, what was the name? Melkor was his valor, <laughs> name, his valor name. And then when he, he became truly, truly evil, he was known as Morgoth. What was the, all right, he, for, his original name was Melkor. For bonus points, liar, what was the name of the dude that he tortured for like a thousand years in his lair? See, I think you got me there. Okay. I don't remember. I don't remember either, but it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and now this is going to bother me, but okay. It's brutal, man. A thousand years of torture. Uh, well, that's the origin of the orcs, by the way. Yeah. That's where yeah, it comes yeah. from, torture elves. Or no doubt. No doubt. That's pretty awesome. What was Peter Jackson's first feature? Gabe, bad taste. I knew, I knew Gabe was not. That's right. What year, Gabe? That would be 1980. Wait, hang on, hang on. I, I want to say it was 87, but I. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's oh. pretty good. All right, bonus wrong. points. What was launched into space at the end of the movie? Oh, at the end of the movie, the the house took off. Yeah, that's right. Goddamn, Gabe. Goddamn. All right. <laughs> With all the ashless chapped aliens. <laughs> you can tell right away where a strange lie, right? Like, Gabe, they, as much of a movie buff as I am, obviously, you know, Gabe does have you beaten with the random all right, movie knowledge. All right, next question, next question. Are there any female characters with speaking roles in the Hobbit book? Laura. There aren't. There aren't. That is right. There are no female characters in that book, <laughs> except a few, like, mentioned offhandedly yeah. or whatever. Hmm. Which, but, but we could talk also, you know, to that point, that I'm sure, you know, we'll touch upon Tauria yeah, and, yeah. you know, her role yeah, in the yeah, film. Yeah, we'll, um, right, don't jump ahead, don't jump ahead. Uh, well, there's plenty to say about that one. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> All right. Why did John Rhys Davis refuse to reprise his role as Gimli for the Hobbit movies? Because he's old? I don't know. Actually. Wrong, Gabe. Wrong. <laughs> Damn it. I don't she know. She has to steal, Laura. Bonus points. Mm -mm. Throw a guess mm -mm. out. Damn it. I mean, okay, let's let's make a wild guess here. The, maybe he thought Gimli was not necessary. You know, <laughs> he's not part of the book, so why be in the movie? You know, maybe, maybe fucking uh, maybe Legolas should have done the same too. Listen, but fuck listen, off. <laughs> but listen, I mean, the real Paul, answer. The real answer is. He did not want to go through the makeup process again because right. he was right. He was I read that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I read that yeah. somewhere. You're right. Yeah. That's right. That Get makes out sense. Of there, Paul. <laughs> Get out of there. 
What is Bayorn's specialty food? Um, <laughs> do you need a, a hint here? I mean, he's a bear. Something so. with honey. Something with uh, honey. There you go. That's it. It's just honey. It's just honey. Ah, shit. Like oh, Winnie the man. Pooh? <laughs> I knew yeah, it. I, mean, I, I, just... I know why I doubted myself. I was going to say su- honey, but I think you phrased that question, you know, unpurposely. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I could have said honeycomb, giant mm. bee honeycomb, but mm. whatever. I was thinking honeycomb, but okay, there you go. That's I fine. still got the point. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. In the Hobbit book, which villain was killed by Thorin's second cousin, Dain? Uh, Laura. Aesok. Asok. Yep, that's yeah. right. That's right. I yeah. didn't even get a chance to finish the question. God damn. Shit. In the battle of Anulbisar, I forgot the name. Anulbisar. The battle of Anulbisar in the eastern gates of Moria. See, this okay. is where her knowledge. You are, you are surprising me a lot, Laura, with your, your depth here. That's pretty intense. Uh, she remembers. <laughs> she remembers. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. That's awesome. I think we're good. I think it's settled that Laura is the champion here by a long shot. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say right now, Laura's the champion of the lore and the book and like staying true to the book and shit like that. I, I would argue that I know a lot about the film, but that's it. You know, like I... I yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. We make a great team. We're gonna defend this <laughs> yep. movie's honor together, and it's gonna be yep. great. Yep. All right, all right. So, anyways, cast and crew, we'll just move through this quickly. I mean, there's the whole creative team was uh, Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh, and Philippa Boygans. Is that how you Boyens. say her name? Uh, Boyens. 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 But yeah, they have some weird Commonwealth thing going on or codependency <laughs> relationship. I don't know. Whatever it is. They're, they but, might uh, be uh, a yeah, they've done. Don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I guess I'm judging a little bit, but not too much. It's okay. It's cool. But they've done other movies like The Frighteners, Bad Taste. Uh, probably my favorite Peter Jackson movie is Dead Alive. Well, outside of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Classic. A bunch of, Classic. Bunch of different ones. King Kong. They produced a bunch of shit. I mean, they've, they've made a lot of good stuff here. They were involved with Meet the Feebles as well, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, Meet the Feebles. I don't think Philippa came into business at that point. but mm-hmm. uh, Meet the Feebles is one of my all-time favorites. Never, never seen yeah. a, an AIDS-infested rabbit get you, shot to death with a hippo machine gun before. Laura, have seen you that. seen any of uh, Peter Jackson's early like splatter flicks? I have not. I oh, gotta man. say, there's I some not. treasures yeah. in there. there it's are, a, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. I I'm familiar it. with them. <laughs> Obviously, you know the names of the movies and, right. and pictures and things, but I never actually sat down and watched all you that. Get, uh, the yeah. one that you got to prioritize, in my opinion, is Dead Alive. You got to watch it. It's uh, it's an all-time classic. It really is. It's it's <laughs> probably my favorite zombie movie in a lot of ways of all the zombie all movies right. I've seen. Uh, that's pretty great. That's high yeah. praise. That's high praise yeah. coming from you. So, I love yeah. it, man. I absolutely fucking love you that. You have to have a strong <laughs> stomach, though, or you do it's, something. It's a lot. Take some Demadrine or something like that if you don't before, <laughs> just to keep your stomach from turning over while you watch this. I think, I think I'll be okay. All right, you know? all right. so, like, yeah, I think I'll be okay. But talking about Peter Jackson movies in general, you know, King Kong, for example, mm-hmm. I was not a big fan of. What? You know, I was not a fan. No, no way. I was not a fan. <laughs> Throwing it down. I, gotta, I will confess that 
I haven't revisited it in a long time. Oh, I don't know if I would appreciate it more now, you yeah. know, um, that when it initially came out. Mm-hmm. But I remember that when I went to watch in the movie theater, you know, opening night, the usual drill, I was not in love by, mm-hmm. you know, by a long shot. But I, ha- I, it's one of those movies that I feel I have to revisit. That's you should. I, I and, think it's and great. See but... I would enjoy it. But I, it's not that I thought it was bad. It's just that I wasn't roused in any way. I wasn't like, I didn't love it how I wanted it to. So I think that was just um, sure. why I remember it being like, nah, I don't care for it. But yeah, I mean, it's, I'll, it's but never going to measure up to Lord of the Rings, but you know, I mean, that's yeah, like, that maybe maybe that's what happened. Maybe I had that, you know, was still was high <laughs> off of that wave, you know. Yeah. Maybe that I I say that's often what I say happened with me and Django Unchained, you know, was still high on Inglorious Bastards, right? And then you know, didn't love Django, and I love Quentin, as you guys know. You know, I, not to I, derail the conversation. I think that for me personally, like with with King Kong, I think that what really helped me is that I I had seen a lot of Peter Jackson's previous work, and so like going into it, I wasn't just looking at it from the Lord of the Rings angle, expecting it to measure yeah. up to Lord of the Rings. It was like yeah. I could view him as where he was going as a filmmaker and blah blah yeah. blah blah, and that that was I, I feel like that was very helpful for me in terms of trying my love to for trying Kong. to decouple himself from Lord of the Rings and. Then look yeah. what fucking happened, right? Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, the, the T-Rex fight was, 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 was cool. Yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah. I like this. That's right, you, know, yeah. but, you, know, you can you see how, I mean, his like weird over-the-top action scenes that kind of had seeds in Lord of the Rings and grew, and then, you know, you get to King Kong and uh, what's the CG movie he made with the kid? The fuck? Tintin? That's what yeah, yeah yeah Tintin yeah, yeah. Adventures of Tintin yeah, yeah and you see how those like action scenes get progressively worse and then in this movie here but Tintin though isn't Peter Jackson directing it's it's Steven you, Spielberg you, directed he, it yeah it's, it's was it? you're right yeah. Spielberg directed Tintin yeah and it's right. got it's got a lot of Spielberg signatures in it like that's that's the whole thing is it, it was charming Indiana Jones it was charming. And, yeah, well, the scene, I'm, talking about the, <laughs> I'm talking about the scene with the motorcycle, like right, driving right, on the rooftops the, of the city, where or the building is the sliding down the fucking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm talking. That's that's a Peter Jackson signature. See, if I, I ever am, saw it in that I scene, I thought it was weird because I didn't have tinting under the Jackson file, but I, I doubted myself. I said, Paul must know what he's talking about. Yeah, that no, tinting was a Peter Jackson. <laughs> You're right, it was Spielberg. Hey, I hate myself yeah. for not raising that flag. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but anyways, what was I talking about? I don't remember now. Oh, <laughs> you were Peter talking Jackson about other Peter Jackson shit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't think he's directed anything since this, has he? Um... No, he did that documentary. Oh he did that documentary um, about World War One. We, we forget a beautiful movie that he directed, The, the Lovely Bones. Bones? I thought that happened in between these. Uh, it happened. Uh, it happened pre Hobbit. It was yeah. pre Hobbit. Yeah. But that movie was beautiful. Interesting. I, I hear there's a lot of fans for that movie, but the critics fucking hated, hated it. it. Yeah. Hated. That was weird. Lambasted yeah. by critics. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. but the book yeah. the book is also like very divisive too. Like people mm-hmm. either love or hate the book as well. It's like a very divisive thing that he went into and 
you know, Stanley Tucci got nominated for an Oscar for it, so, you know, whatever. But it kind of launched the career Something. of Saurice Ronan, who's got, like, four Oscar nominations now, but, you know, whatever. So, but... Big whoop. Big whoop. Fuck you. Nominations. <laughs> Come on, man. Saurice <laughs> <laughs> wasn't around, man. <laughs> that was a beautiful film, and I'm not only talking about visually, you know, it was just beautifully acted, and, yeah. and there were some incredible moments there, and I... I love that movie. I don't watch it often because it's hard. It's right. a hard yeah, movie to right. watch. It's brutal. You know, but it's so beautiful. And Marky Mark, Mark right. kind of hams it up a little bit, so he he is not the strong point of the movie. See, I appreciate what I appreciate about Marky Mark about in that movie, and I feel like we're totally going off topic. But is the fact that you see Marky Mark in movies, and he's always Marky Mark. Do you know what I mean? Mark Wahlberg, it's Mark Wahlberg in every single movie. Yeah. However, in The Lovely Bones, I think that he tapped into his emotional center deep enough that yeah. you know you felt for him in a different way. Right. You know, I, I thoroughly enjoy his performance there and in The Fighter. I have to say, yeah, you know, he's but the fantastic rest just, in The Fighter. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but Marky Mark is always kind of like The Rock, and I love The Rock with passion. Like I love him. Always <laughs> The Rock. Yeah. You know? so, but yeah. Paul, after after The Hobbit, he did do uh, that documentary, "They Shall Not Grow Old," which uh, was his World War I have not one seen that. Oh, dude, it's it's it. great, man. It's a great documentary. It's it's kind of weird in <laughs> that like there's no central narrator it's literally all these actors like reading letters from troops during world war one but like his his very technologically oriented directing he took all this world war one footage how it was you know hand crank and it's a lot of jitter and shit like that from the hand crank and a lot of dissolved <clears throat> footage just from the celluloid being sold and he restored it so it's 24 frames per second in color but like you know faded color like it would be yeah. during that time period but um, it's it's really really beautiful work and it's like very okay. it's brutal like you really get a sense of how awful that <laughs> war was but it's like yeah. so fucking random that he would go from you know all of his blockbuster movies that he's done to doing a documentary about World War One but a lot of it has to do with like his whole connection in New Zealand with like World War One and blah 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 and how they suffered a lot because of World War One with their troops and then you know you saw the the uh, the monument when we were in Queens Queenstown Queenstown yeah that's right. Queenstown, mm -hmm. there's like that World War One monument that's facing the ocean, blah 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 blah. But anyway, Queenstown like is thing. landlocked, but yeah, there's a lake. There's a lake there. It's fine. The lake. Fine. I'm sorry, you're right. The yeah, lake. Yeah. The lake. Yeah. But continue. All right, cool. I'll check it out. I have not seen it, but uh, yeah, I'll check it out. All right. All of them wrote and produced, and Peter Jackson directed. Obviously, that's <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> now we break into the yes. cast. The cast. Mm -hmm. The brilliant, brilliant cast. We've got Ian McKellen. Sir Ian McKellen. Sir, he's yeah. the the guy, the X-Men guy, right? He's that. He's that guy, right? <laughs> Why do we have to talk about him in the X-Men? Of all I of his mean, fucking I feel life. that he needs no introduction, yeah, okay? Anything we can yeah. say about Sir Ian McKellen won't do Sir Ian McKellen justice. So... You yeah. know, though, we did that. kind of already shit on him for cats, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was just probably I a little senile and old, and someone tricked him into doing that movie. <laughs> and he can do whatever the hell he wants. He has nothing Fair to enough. prove, okay? So... Fair you enough. know, I haven't seen Cats yet because I refuse. Oh, God. But it's one of those oh, things. Man. He's Sir Ian McKellen. 
him, he can do whatever some good, he wants. It's some he good self-flagellation. So if you yeah. ever feel guilty for something, do it. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's full on. It's full it. on nightmare fuel, Laura. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. Can't do it. You it guys. is nightmare fuel. I can't do it. Anyway, so we've got. Ian McKellen is Gandalf, reprising his role again. He doesn't... They did a good job with the makeup, I think. Uh, he doesn't look too much different, unlike uh, some of the other actors, like, uh, you know, Orlando Bloom, who looks puffy <laughs> and bloated, look older, yeah. and he is, <laughs> looks a lot uh, older than he does in uh, the original Lord of the Rings, despite playing his younger self and yeah. being an elf. I'll let that one slide. Yeah, because, yeah. Yes. We've got, of course, the big star of the show is Martin Freeman as Bilbo Baggins. Classic. He's been in, what, uh, Sherlock and some other stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Love Actually, man. He's great in Love Actually. actually. He's the fucking porn stand-in, man. It's hilarious. I love him. (laughs) And and now he's showing up in all the Marvel movies. You know, it's like he shows up everywhere now. Yeah, he's showing up. He's got a great career, man. Oh, my God. He's got his golden ticket. He's got his golden ticket. Of course, uh, we've got uh, Richard Armitage as Thorin. Oaken Shield. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think <laughs> yeah. what he's been in. He's uh... Chef's Kiss. Chef's Kiss. That performance. But Chef's Kiss. <laughs> he's Thorin. Well, he's I mean, in he a bunch good. of TV. Like he was. He was the Doctor in Doctor Who, right? Am I wrong? He was one of the Doctor Who's, or am I am I misremembering? Richard Armitage. I thought he no, was. No, I don't think so. No, you know what? I'm sorry. So. I'm, I'm mixing him up with David Tennant right now. He's uh, like in a TV off. show called Doctors as Doctor Tom Steele. That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, currently, well, currently he just finished that, but he's the voice of Trevor Belmont in Castlevania, which is ah, very nice. All right, yeah, Castlevania is diving amazing. deeper into the the nerdiness there. Mm-hmm. Very good, nice. very good. Well, watch it. It's amazing. Yeah. Now, he's uh, he's in a lot of TV and stuff, but hey, he's pretty prolific. Hannibal, he's in that. Mm-hmm. MI5, Robin Hood. I don't know what else. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Great. Good for him. Good for him. There's a bunch of, like, no-name uh, New Zealand actors as the other, like, 13 or 14 dwarves. <laughs> We've got right, hang on, hang on, hang no, on. No, 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 no. Because no. James James Nesbitt is a fucking fantastic Irish actor, man. Like you got yeah. to talk about James Nesbitt because and um, McTavish, who plays Dwalin. Yep. What's yep. his name? Graham McTavish. Graham McTavish, who plays Dwalin. Yep. Great actor. Great actor. Exactly. And um. Stephen Wait, Fry, Stephen Fry is well, the fucking mayor of Lake Town. He's but he's great. not the dwarf. I thought That's we're talking dwarves, but yes. Yeah, okay. yeah you got Stephen Fry. Um, yeah. But I'm thinking you like of the, the scene dwarves. where he like eats the uh, the balls in this movie. Testicles. T- 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 and he's stretching them out and getting the gravy all over his Come face. On, man, I mean, that That's was a splatter moment. That was Come a great. That was a great addition, absolutely ne- necessary to uh, to make you a movie. And, and, yeah, yeah. But no, fun fact, I can't recall the specific names, but the dwarves, to put a pin on it, they're mostly uh, actors from the UK, I want to say. Yeah. I don't think any of the, the dwarf actors are actually um, New Zealanders. Uh, there's a couple. I think they're mostly, yeah? Think, there's one uh, of them, actually. One of them who is Nori. And I forget his name, mm-hmm. but... But the actor who plays Nori, it's a New Zealander actor who's actually acted in every single Peter Jackson film. Mm-hmm. He's really tall. 
handsome. John Callan, yeah. he's a New Zealand actor. He plays one yeah, of the other dwarves. He plays Oin. No, there's um, not there's that one. The, the, the fat dwarf. Uh, no, he's no, a New no, Zealand. No, the one I'm talking about is Nori, the one that has like a star-shaped hair. <laughs> Jed Brophy. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. There's there's a few, but they're covered in makeup, so I don't know who they are. Jed Brophy. That's who you're talking about. (laughs) Jed Brophy. We have the only female in the movie, aside from (laughs) Kane Blashett coming up, Evangeline Lilly, who plays the made-up character Toriel, which you could say is a good decision or a bad decision. I would argue she's great. Good, but uh, turned into a bad decision. Uh, anyways, uh, she's been in Lost and some other stuff. She was also in a love triangle in Lost, along with this movie. And one of her conditions for taking the role was that she was not supposed to be in a fucking love triangle. I will but here I she is. Would disagree with the fact that she was in a love triangle, yeah. Paul. That was not technically accurate. Oh, how's you know, that? I can how's see... That? Well, I would say, okay, so we're diving into this. No, 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 back up, back up. We're not going to do this yet. We'll talk about it in a little while. (laughs) All right, right, fine, fine. (laughs) All right, and uh, yeah, we've got a bunch of returning characters for one scene where they all act kind of old and tired. Got Kate Blanchett, Hugo Weaving, um, Christopher Lee, who's like fucking 97 years old when they brought him back. Jesus. No, you're not Jesus. entirely correct, Paul, in that this movie was filmed entirely in New Zealand because. That's right. That's Reason right. There's the one. Annie uh, and Hope yeah, were all and, too old to make the uh, flight. Right, so right, right, right. Yeah, oh, right. That's right. Yeah. They brought back Ian Holmes, Frodo, all that shit just because also they could. But. <laughs> Ian Holm, not Frodo. I mean, Frodo's very much alive. No, no. Yeah, Ian Holm. Yeah, all, all people. Yeah. He's no longer Just wanted to make yeah. sure we they knew who we were aiming at on that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. Pinewood Studios let's, in London. All right, let's, let's, move, let's move on here. The Hobbit trilogy costs $745 million U.S. dollars to produce. That's actually representative of almost 1% of New Zealand's gross domestic product for the years 2010 through 2014 when the filming took place. At one point, the movie's production was threatened by a general strike of the actors. But luckily for the executives at Warner Bros., the Prime Minister of New Zealand was able to pass legislation colloquially known as the Hobbit Law that banned collective bargaining for film cast and crew members and allowed them to be hired as independent contractors. That's probably why Amazon is filming there today. Yeah, but, well, uh, New Zealand doesn't have any <laughs> film unions, so you can thank nope. Margaret Thatcher for that. No, no, you can thank this movie for that. They, they, <laughs> no, they passed no. the law so they could film this movie here. <laughs> Otherwise, they're going to take the production to Romania or some shit. So yeah, uh, there you go. That's a shame. You know, to be uh, fair, though, when they gave Peter Jackson $300 million to do Lord of the Rings, it was the equivalent of $520 million in 1996 when they gave him yeah. that money in order to go make Lord of the Rings. So there's that. I can respect that. I mean, that was a huge gamble on their huge part. Huge gamble. Uh, huge yeah, yeah. gamble. Paid Half off, a billion dollars? Goddamn. Anyways, the so Battle of Five Armies made $255 million domestically and seven hundred. And one million dollars worldwide. The whole trilogy collectively grossed two point nine billion dollars worldwide. The country with the lowest box office that I could find was Bahrain, 
with a hundred and twenty-four thousand dollar box office take. And uh, I don't know where that country is. Where is that country? It's next to India. Africa huh. somewhere. No, Asia. They're Buddhists, <laughs> I think. Um, anyways, Bahrain actually has some of the most expensive movie tickets in the world, with an average cost of forty-six Bahraini oh, dinar, or seventeen dollars and forty-eight cents, back in uh, two thousand fourteen. That means of the one point three three six million people in Bahrain, only point five of the population, point five percent of the population, saw the movie. This is fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's really that's good a, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> wow. that's actually not bad comparatively. Like 05 percent of the population. I mean, yeah. a lot of a lot of my statistics are like hundred thousandths of the percent of people in a country going to see a fucking movie. Like point yeah. five percent is pretty high. I couldn't find the highest box office grossing movie of all time in Bahrain, but we'll just assume <laughs> it was Avatar because it probably was. Okay. Sure. Probably Minions, sure. man. You know that as well as I do. Uh, so, Gabe! New Zealand doesn't have baseball. Mm-hmm. There are no pitches except for the field on which base football, rugby, and cricket are played. That's what they call it, the pitch. Mm-hmm. Also, each rugby team has a hooker, <laughs> and in cricket, there's a rabbit who is the worst batsman on the team, mm-hmm. quite likely to make a duck. So I guess that's the pitcher equivalent of baseball, because they suck at hitting. So, <laughs> wind up and bowl me a duck. <laughs> All right, hang on. I gotta, I gotta I'm so confused. Pitch I'm me this so movie, confused. game. Pitch me this movie. Right, okay, let's go. Let's go. Remember how Lord of the Rings made $5.9 billion worldwide? Remember the Battle of Pelennor Fields? Well, hold on to your nuts, MGM executives. I'm going to do you a favor and rescue your goddamn company from the brink of bankruptcy. Despite you earning an inflated gross of over $14 billion just from the Bond movies. I guess someone has done a lot of cocaine in order for you to go bankrupt off of $14 billion. Anyway, ahem. I got expenses, man. (laughs) The fifth day of August in the year 2004, by three foot seven films reckoning, Wingnut Films, Metro Golden Mayer Films, New Line Cinema Films, Warner Brothers, New Zealand, Earth, the second age of this medium. The Hobbit in three parts by Peter Jackson, winner of fucking three Oscars and whose films won of 17 Oscars, Fran Walsh, Philippa Boyens, and Guillermo del Toro. Now, where to begin? Ah, yes. Concerning Hobbits and the $12 billion that they're going to make. <laughs> the, Hobbit, the, Hobbits have been a novel, the Hobbit has been a novel adapted into 84 languages of the Earth for many dozens of years, quite content to ignore and be ignored by the world of the studio executives. Earth being, after all, full of strange creatures known as producers beyond count. The Hobbit must seem of little importance, being neither renowned as great literature nor counted among the very profitable. Where's my assistant? Someone's at the door! Where's my assistant? In fact, it has been remarked by some that the Hobbit's only real passion is for money. A rather unfair observation as we also developed a keen interest in the blowing of minds and the love of New Zealand. But where our hearts truly lie is in peace and quiet and good tilled cash money. 
For the Hobbit shares a love of things that go ka-ching. And yes, no doubt, to others our ways seem quaint. But today of all days it is brought home to me, it is no bad thing to celebrate a simple book turned into a massive $700 million trilogy. Angela! The door! Sticklebats, where is my assistant? Angela! Now, if that didn't sell you, let me just tell you this. Just watch. This is what's going to sell you right now. You see this cash money flying around? You see this? <laughs> this is what's going to sell you. You got all this cash money just waiting to be made. You going to make this movie now? <laughs> I'm Let's do speechless. It. <laughs> I'm speechless. The production value of this. I'm speechless. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> You wow. <laughs> wow. I don't, I, I'm speechless. Yeah, you would make that movie if I pitched it to you like that, wouldn't you, Paul? You'd give me $700 million and all you do it? Come on. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd just give you all my money. Okay. <laughs> just like that, too. Just throw it at your throw face. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> wow. All right, all right. So, let's talk about this movie. Now, Honest opinions from both of you. What what do you think of this movie, and how would you rate it? I'm going to give it to Laura well, first. You know, her yeah. I'm interested I, to hear this. I mean, for those who know me, Gabe does me very well. I, even though there's certain things that, you know, IPs or stories or characters that I love a lot, I always try to be as objective as I can. You know, I try to, to look at it not let the emotional attachment that I have to that, you know, influence how I, I quote unquote judge it or perceive it. But at the same time, I would argue that it is impossible to do that because part of the way we experience films has to do with us, right? With, you know, what are the themes and, and things that talk to us and to our feelings and to our thoughts. Mm -hmm. So the first time I watched this movie, I didn't, love it you know with all my heart I liked it a lot I enjoyed every minute of it I cried and I knew that you know I had but of course you know we could talk about the elephant in the room is like how necessary was it you know to make three films you know and, and all those things that I we can talk about it and I'm more than happy to discuss that but the bottom line is after having you know seen in, in every minute of it and then the extended edition and everything, I can say without an inch of a doubt that I absolutely love it. I enjoyed every minute of it. I still cry at moments when I, when I'm supposed to cry. I laugh like I'm listening to the funny jo the jokes for the first time. I care so much about these characters still. Mm -hmm. So if you ask me, how do I feel about this movie? I would tell you that I love it. And, and I can't, I'm more than happy to discuss because you know the things that maybe are not perfect oh, about no, it or no, not perceived as good, but <laughs> you love it. You know, I do love it. That's it. That's that's it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Good. All right. A very strong, strong opinion there. That's uh, that's good. That's good. Gabe, how about yourself? How about yourself? So your your a, objective film critique opinion. Objective film critic <laughs> opinion when I saw it was that it's bloated. It takes too long to get to the point, but it <laughs> is endlessly entertaining. And I never felt like 
I never felt like Peter Jackson's style or film style, so to speak, was lacking in any way. And I cannot, mm -hmm. cannot overstate how important Martin Freeman is to these movies. If he's yeah. not there, this movie does not have the heart that it deserves. Like Martin Freeman <sighs> is the only person that could have played Bilbo past Ian Holm. And like, I think he does a great job. I don't think that you can fault Martin Freeman at all for his performance, but I, I, no, no, shut I up, think he's, shut up. I think he's great. Right? <laughs> all right. <laughs> that that can being, I, that can be I add something? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Gabe. Finish what you were saying. No, uh, were saying, that, that being said, when I first saw this movie, I would say that I felt like it was a 6.5 out of 10. Like I really liked it, but it wasn't great the first time I saw yeah. it. But as I continue to rewatch it and as I continue to, you know, fall in love with Lord of the Rings because it is a lifelong love affair with Lord of the Rings. I will continue to fall in love with the movies more every year, every year that I watch it. And even with the Hobbit yeah. movies, I will say that even after rewatching it probably eight or nine times since it came out in 2014, I have to say that I do love this movie as well. There's nothing about it that I'm really upset about. It's zany enough in the way that Peter Jackson does Lord of the Rings <laughs> that it's like, it's it uh it's endearing to me because it is zany in certain mm -hmm. ways and i do love how comical it can be and how the the dwarves really bring that across but you know there's a lot of stakes here too and like you know i i gotta say billy Connolly as dane is the only man that could have played dane he is fucking it's fantastic. so awesome it's so <laughs> awesome yeah but you know i wanted to add yeah. what you said i think it's funny because I, I think our journey to loving this movie sounds similar right we didn't immediately loved it you know mm -hmm. it was after watching it and rewatching and 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 just taking it all in because i think what i failed to say in my initial response was it is very indulgent mm -hmm. you know it is very Absolutely. indulgent you know peter jackson as a filmmaker and as a director very very indulgent in the things he likes to do in the, mm -hmm. the you know things that take too long we linger too long at places or with people or things like that so <laughs> and it's over a lot of shit too <laughs> yeah yeah and it is a bit it does feel upon first viewing a bit all over the place yeah you know upon first viewing because it is you know it's a whole movie that is meant to be a third act Right, like if we think about traditional uh, yep. storytelling, that would be my first know. complaint: is that <laughs> this film, the it's prologue is Smog dying, yeah. which should have been like the end the of second movie. the second yeah. act of one movie or something <laughs> like that. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. But, I was going to say, as uh, as confounding as it sounds, I'll say that as much as this movie is self-indulgent and feels bloated, I feel like this movie also is the leanest of the three. Because, like, you know, the first movie, An Unexpected Journey, drags on pretty long. You know, like, you're just like, wow, this is, like, not a whole lot's going on here. And then yeah. the second movie, a lot happens, but you're still like, okay, you know, they still haven't dealt with Smaug. Like, you know, Drag it's that out. 36 hours now. <laughs> like, are we going to yeah. deal with Smaug? Yeah. They, they fuck up. Yeah. They fuck up Thorne and Bilbo's, like, relationship arc with that movie and that they needed some catharsis. And where Thorin doesn't trust Bilbo because he thinks he's kind of a, a fucking dead weight. He has one scene in in the first movie where he tackles an orc, you know, a 300-pound orc being in a 45-pound 
Hobbit, and suddenly that changes Thorne's mind when it really should have happened when Bilbo helps him escape from the elves and the barrels and all that shit. Yeah, but you know, absolutely, they had to stretch it but, out. Uh, they had I to mean, stretch that, it I would out. argue that the, the, the story <laughs> called for that stretch, right? It's like uh, you had to end, you know, yeah. because at the end, also, yeah, this movie is our first, second, and third act of one major story, but they're also small contained stories within themselves yeah. you know or i think that's the that's the expectation so in terms of storytelling it makes sense that thorin's and bilbo's relationship did what it, it had to do what it did in the first movie they started as thorin has contempt for bilbo mm-hmm. you know in the in the beginning of the movie it's like why are we bringing this hobbit with us and then by the end of it he had to respect him that is that that's a story arc that makes sense and it has a satisfying you know sort of ending for the first film you know it had to do that because <laughs> that that was it ended it had to end on a high note because right. the second film they was needed gonna more end money <laughs> they wanted the to second film. and at that point <laughs> man, they, they didn't even know two movies no. into three <laughs> because at that point they didn't even know they were gonna make movie three when they finished oh, no, they didn't. on an expecting journey it was still unexpected well, journey i think i think they did again. reshoots almost at the end of production when they were almost ready for that because they figured out they were going to make two more movies and so they needed to move around a bunch of shit and put the ending in Unexpected Journey the way it is so they could have more content stretch that one out to make three movies. (laughs) See, the whole problem... (laughs) The whole problem uh, I have with these movies is I see... Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens are great filmmakers, mm-hmm. but these movies like lay out their tricks, their their adaptation tricks, and make them a lot more obvious. When I go back and watch the Lord of the Rings, which cheapens the experience for me, <laughs> and so it actually has made me colder to the Lord of the Rings movies, which I loved at one point, and now I kind of, like, I don't know, the the nostalgia is kind of worn off a bit for me, (laughs) and I I still think they're great movies, but... That's just yeah, because these, you're a these movies have old father, the, you're just eh, getting bitter. The Hobbit movies <laughs> have revealed things about their filmmaking style that kind of like, yeah, they it, it cheapens the whole experience for me, and it's kind of sad, honestly. Mm. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah. I, I guess I understand. I know, I, I, you know, that's a fair point because it is that is the way in you in, in which your experience these films right and it goes to my earlier point of like it's a very personal thing you know oh, how we receive yeah, how you films film. exactly how you be it, it, it's a very personal very no there's thing. only so, one way and i'm right <laughs> <laughs> because paul to your point for example i think i sit in the opposite end of it obviously uh-huh. but it's because the bottom line for me is like even in these movies i didn't enjoy them as much as i did because i did as a lifelong Tolkien fan, mm-hmm. I am just happy that I get to be in Middle Earth again. So that emotional connection allows me to maybe forgive certain things or mm-hmm. accept certain things because at the end of the day, I would take every minute I can get of being in Middle Earth. 
and that definitely sure. definitely informs the way i feel when i watch these yeah. movies because i can't get enough of it on another yeah. note, it's sort of it's sort of how I feel that I mean I, I can't speak for Trip, but it's it's sort of how I feel like Trip views Star Wars shit. You know, like yeah. he's so thankful yeah. just to be in the universe, and he can't look and, at it and objectively. The, the studio execs think, see that in their marketing data, and they put out three films <laughs> instead of two. Obviously, Trip's been in here before, but he's my husband. We're married, so I don't think we actually make that connection. So that's why we reference him a lot, maybe. But mm. yes. You're right, you know, and with Star Wars, I would say I share that feeling, but I definitely in the current world feel like I prefer quality over quantity mm. when it comes to Star Wars, but that's a different conversation. No doubt. So skip the Mandalorian yeah. is what you're saying. Uh, yeah. like saying. No! <laughs> Mandalorian is... Don't touch the Mandalorian. We're going to be here all night. Uh, so let's, right. continue. Right. let's continue. <laughs> <sighs> so let's, let's start with the tone. You talked about how you liked the tone of this and the fact that it's kind of a continuation and it makes Middle Earth feel uh, more real in that it's... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, it's consistent between all, all of the movies because Peter Jackson did it and everything like that. But the books are wildly different in tone. I mean, with the Hobbit, the Hobbit book the is yeah. a children's yeah. book kind of yeah. told in little digestible yeah. chapters. Yeah. There's... But it does take a turn in the last few chapters. It does. The Hobbit takes a turn in the last few chapters. It becomes a bit darker and it goes places you know the fact that he kills three of the main characters you know I, you, you wouldn't see that in a children's book you know it's like yeah. so it does take a slight turn towards the end the book itself but it is a children's book and then he did Lord of the Rings who was his <laughs> magnum opus right? Yeah. right but I would also argue you know the consistency that I, that I feel exists it has to do with the, the visual aspect of the movie, you know, yeah. how things look, how Middle Earth looks and feel. Mm. But even even in terms of tone, they are slightly tonally different because The Hobbit has a quirkiness and an innocence that sure. Lord of the Rings doesn't have. Because Except also when they're like more... riding this uh, chariot thing through the army and but crushing their that heads in bloody funny, explosions. That, even that is quirky and funny. And I will not hear any hate on the chat yeah. because it was so funny. <laughs> it is done quirky. It is and done for laughs, though. I mean, it's it's. I, I really like that part. What are the stakes, though? I mean, there's like these so scenes on. where one of the characters bounces through the air for 30 or 40 seconds in a barrel, crushing orcs along the way, and then sticking his arms out and doing a big swing. And then later on in the movie, there's fucking Thorin getting stabbed through the heart by Azog. different movies. It's like, it has, I think... Lord of the Rings was much more consistent in its tone. its tone. You knew what the stakes were, but in this in these movies, it's like there's all this goofy shit, and then something really fucking serious happens, and you're <laughs> like, so they survived this crazy run through the Goblin King's kingdom, falling right. around through all this shit. Meanwhile, Gandalf eviscerates him. So, like, <laughs> 
how do you I... how do you bring the stakes together with this zany bouncing off the wall physically impossible shit and then like women children being burned alive and crushed by falling debris so that's why I argue that the third movie is definitely slightly more serious, but it still has those zany moments. Right. But The Hobbit in general, especially the first and the second one, to your point, Paul, with the barrels and everything, it is a slightly tonally more cheerful and quirky because it is also a more innocent time of Middle Earth. You know what I mean? It's like even you see it in the way certain, certain places are presented. Like look at Rivendell in The Hobbit in contrast to how it looked in Lord of the Rings. You know, this is 60 years prior, 60 years before Sauron, mm-hmm. you know, started, you know, really taking a hold again. So it is a slightly more innocent time. It is a less dark time. It's a, the elves are at the height of their power. You know, mm-hmm. look at Thranduil, even though he's, you know, reclused or whatever in, in Mirkwood. So the quirkiness to me has its roots in because it's based on a children's book initially, you know, in theory, <laughs> and also because it's a, it's sixty years prior. It's a less dark Middle Earth, and I'm okay with that. It's so, so funny and this endearing. Is, this is like pre nine eleven versus post nine eleven kind right, of thing. You know? Right. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's call it that. But I would say what is the Middle Earth equivalent of nine eleven? I mean, I mean Sauron showing armies, up. Maybe? Yeah, Sauron showing up. Maybe it's a battle of five armies because when. If Gandalf fights the necromancer in Dol Guldur, that's when he's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, mm-hmm. he's not actually gone, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. no, sorry. Yeah, I, I completely understand yeah. that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I take I take the zaniness personally uh, in the way that I take it is because I, I've been so accustomed to seeing Peter Jackson's splatter fix that I actually revel in that kind of shit. So, like, with all the heads flying off and whatnot with the chariot and whatnot, I'm enjoying that because I'm like, this is fucking great, man. This is Peter Jackson going back to his roots of, like, these fucking over-the-top scenes that there's no way that this shit can happen in real life, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's fine. But also, you saw, it, you saw it in Lord of the Rings, maybe to a lesser extent because he was more contained in the character of Legolas. Yeah. You know, all the crazy yeah. stunts and yeah. all the crazy shit that Legolas did in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, especially the it's Battle of Pelennor Fields, you know. Like... When he, you know, goes on to the Oliphant, or yeah. even yeah. when the Warks first attack the Riders of Rohan, and he, yeah. like, spins and lands on the horse, and it's physically impossible. Yeah. But it's you fucking know? amazing. Like, like, it's so it's good. Amazing, I, I, I feel you know? like that's... It's toned down in those movies compared to this one, where Legolas is literally climbing up it's a bridge that's character. falling one brick <laughs> at a time. But no, it's not one character. I mean, no, no, no. In, Legolas... this, in the Hobbit, it's everybody. In it's Lord everyone. of the Rings, it's right. Legolas. Yeah, Legolas. I feel like Legolas is excusable because he's a warrior that's been alive for thousands of years, <laughs> and he's like. And 31. 2,931 okay. years. That's how old he is in Lord of the Rings. Well, so I feel like 60 years, that's if you're ageless enough. and you have 2,900 years to perfect your warrior skills, you're going to be a combination of circus acrobat and like <laughs> Annie Oakley. And yeah, I feel like it's fine and it's justified for Legolas's character. But so him jumping yeah. on these, the bricks as they're falling is that fine. Is, that is not, it, they take it way too far. Fuck you. And I don't think Legolas, I don't want Legolas to be in these movies at all. I don't. 
I don't right, want him so to be let me, here. Let me, let me, let me, he just, let me they make fucking you look ruined Legolas in this movie. Let me make for you me. look at this in a separate, they, or a separate movie franchise. Okay? He has nothing going for him in this movie except right, hang on, being hang on, a murderer, hang on. like killer guy. I have guy. things to say, but I want to hear what Gabe's saying because I, I have things to say. All I right. gotta use it. I gotta use another trilogy in order to justify this. Okay, like the the zaniness <laughs> on top of the violence and like the real stakes that are happening. And this is men and women and children burning. Blah 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 blah. Fucking Indiana Jones is fighting Nazis. Okay, <laughs> and the worst people that have ever are the worst ideological thing that has ever happened to the world at this time period. Fucking white supremacy to the max, gassing six million Jews, the fucking, you know, concentration camps, all that awful shit that we saw in everything. And Steven Spielberg makes this super entertaining movie that's funny as he's beating the Christ out of Nazis. And he lets Nazis melt with the Ark of the Covenant, and it's super violent, and blah, 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 blah. But all that's okay to you. But yeah, no, God forbid that a hobbit <laughs> should fucking do whatever's happening May as the dragon is burning. Come on. The hobbit doesn't do any particularly sane stuff, okay? The Hobbit, it's pretty well grounded. The actual Hobbit, Bilbo Baggins, yeah. you know, but yeah. the dwarves don't get, do get to sane stuff. But again, yeah, no the dwarves, as, as Tolkien described them, they're very strong and kind of like snakingly agile for people who are heavy and yeah. grounded and close to the yeah. ground. And you see that, in the spe especially in the extended edition when you get to see them fight. And yeah. you know, move, and you're like, how agile they are. But even then, they don't look like the elves look. Yep. You know, the elves look like they kept, they don't touch the ground when they move. The yeah. dwarves, their fighting style is still very. I much mean, that was already established with Lord of the Rings because fucking Legolas yes. literally almost it, floats yeah. on the ground as he's yeah. walking. Like, yeah. he doesn't sink in into the, the snow. Address, yeah, he, he doesn't sink in the, the snow. snow. <laughs> and everybody there was underneath the thing. Yeah. But okay. The, the details so, that yeah. matter, what? Paul. Fuck you. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Legolas's character arc in this movie. Yes. Uh, or in these movies, I guess I should say he mm -hmm. he gets a nosebleed from that one dude. What's his name? Grog. Bulg. What? Bulg. Bulg. And so Bulg. he's angry and he wants Bulg. to kill that guy. And that's as far as I can tell is his character arc. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about shit with Tario and like the relationship with the dwarves with elves? No. Oh, you mean you mean the love triangle? No, 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 no. The, the history between dwarves and elves it goes beyond the love triangles. So the fact right. that Tario no, is falling in so love with the dwarf the big, is like a big problem. Legolas's big arc in Lord of the Rings is he's a racist bastard. <laughs> But then he gets to know Gimli and becomes great friends with him and kind of gets over his prejudices. But, That's about yeah, it. It's, it's all he does in those movies is kill stuff and explain no. stuff. Like, that's all he does. Aside from the that. <laughs> Elven dwarves, the feud, the blood feud between these two races yeah. is very ancient. It goes yeah. to all the way back to, to the Elven king Thingol. And a disagreement that they had in which, and then the dwarves came in and killed Thingol, and then the elves went and massacred the dwarves. It was a whole thing. However, the inclusion of Legolas in these movies, I will, I will admit, it is a bit fan servicey, right? It is a bit like, of course, we want to see, 
Orlando Bloom put on the wig again because he was a badass in the first film, and we we're more than What's happy. What's wrong with his eyes again. in this but, movie, by the way? Are those his natural eyes? That, or there's no. something weird. Yeah, Orlando Bloom has brown eyes. Okay. Yeah, and they kept forgetting to put his contact lenses in Lord of the Rings, which is why there is a lot of scenes in which he has brown eyes and then he has blue eyes. But it yeah. looks like in this movie they didn't forget yeah. to put the blue eyes that in ever, be, so yeah. it's actually and like all yeah. over. The, that's why yeah, it looks so different. everything but, in six K and it's like whoa. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but what I wanted to say though about the inclusion of Legolas is like in the books the the Mirkwood elves are not very fleshed out. Thranduil is not even given a name mm-hmm. onto Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. In the in mm-hmm. the Hobbit, he's called the Elven King, mm-hmm. right? And we don't learn who he is until we learn about of him through Legolas in Lord of the Rings. So if you're gonna go to Mirkwood and you're gonna introduce all this realm, it is feasible and it makes sense that you bring a character the audience already recognizes that it, it's meant to be in that place because it is his homeland you know it's yeah. where his dad is and he'd be I mean, around I will, I will cons- <laughs> exactly and I will concede yeah fan service could you make the movie without Legolas yes you could probably but why why not bring him in you I know? mean they made like- Lord of the Rings without Tom Bombadil <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Yes, they did. You know, yes. But again, Tom Bombadil. You know, he didn't necessarily advance the story that. Yeah. Much. I mean, he was interesting for sure. I would love yeah. to know more Just about him. Tom yeah, Bombadil. You, know, you get you tension get and plot killer. Yeah, yeah. You, you get some of the Tom Bombadil <laughs> element and like exploring Radagast in uh, the Hobbit trilogy. Yeah. Like you get more yes, feeling yes. for that. that makes I didn't actually never make that connection between Tom yeah. Bombadil and Radagast. Yeah. That's so interesting. He's but kind of the combo of Boren and Radagast. They influence both of them. But anyways. Something else I wanted to add, though, to the, the way the Woodland Elves, the Sylvan Elves, are presented in The Hobbit, the inclusion of Tauriel, which we talk, we, we mentioned yes. in passing. Yeah, let's talk about yeah. I love Evangeline Lilly, by the way. Like, she is a vision as far as I'm concerned. She's going to be my ninth wife or whatever number I I'm mean, on. She's, God she damn is a vision well, in she, this right should way. at least keep track of how many there are, for fuck's sake. Let, me be, let me be completely honest. I, I wasn't really that familiar with her because I am one of, you know, I never watched Lost, for example. Yeah. You know, I... I, I mean, you didn't miss actually... much. Lost is a piece of shit. Fuck you, J.J. Abrams. But... <laughs> I, again, don't, don't, no. We're going to be here all day today. You keep just bringing... The, I can't pull on these strings. I need to be able... Anyway. Evangeline Lily. I didn't know her that much. I didn't see, uh, you know, Lost or whatever. But uh-huh. the minute I saw her on screen, I was in love. I was you know, too, Because... Yeah, I, I was absolutely in love with her. Beyond the fact that she looks amazing, talking about the character and what it makes mm-hmm. sense for the movie. Yeah, you're right. You said it, Paul, earlier. The book doesn't have a speaking female character. And that simply doesn't translate well to the screen. And not because Tolkien, I would say Tolkien, for a writer of his time, and in comparison to other writers, like C.S. Lewis comes to mind, mm-hmm. does a better job. And his work ages better in the way he portrays and presents women. You know, we could talk about all day about C.S. Lewis' racist ways in the Chronicles of Narnia and all that. We could talk all day about that. But Tolkien had very strong female characters. You got Galadriel, you got Arwen, you got um, the Lady Luthiel. So there is a strong character and the best moment of Return of the King, or one of the best, is Eowyn. Yep. Eowyn. Eowyn. Yeah. You got Eowyn. Yeah. How could I forget yeah. Eowyn? Yeah. You, know, you got Eowyn. 
and so despite so, I mean he's writing about a patriarchal society and mm-hmm. so yeah women are kind of not warriors most of the time but so, even you know in but yeah, we'll just, Rohan. yeah all right no but, go ahead go ahead go but ahead. anyways so no women really in the Hobbit book and so yeah. Peter Jackson at all decide that they need a female character and so they bring in Tariel which on the surface I'm fine with but I feel the strings of studio bullshit coming in when the no. story starts taking on, a turn no. with Killy <laughs> and her and this bullshit love story and <laughs> Look, I, yeah, well, nor- the, normally the I would normally I would agree with you on that. strings and all that. Normally I would agree all with that you shit on that was reshoots. Like, sh- calm down, bullshit, and I hate it. Normally, I normally I would agree with you, but like Peter Jackson had established himself in a position when he was making this movie that he could do whatever he wants, and I feel like his fingerprints because of that are all over this movie, which is part of the problem that you have with this movie is it's overindulgent. And the reason why it's overindulgent <laughs> is the studio let him do whatever he wanted yeah. to do so like saying that yes. a studio had like ham-fistedly thrown it in or it was a focus group thing or like fucking reshoots or whatever no like i don't buy it because they- peter jackson gets to do whatever he wants at this point they're not going to force him to change his movie which is why they put out an r-rated director's cut of the fucking third <laughs> well- movie I do think it's important what you said, Gabe. Like, Peter Jackson is one of those few modern-day directors whose studios won't tell what to do, which yep. is a rarity because he, he, you know, this is obviously a big movie studio, mm-hmm. but it's actually an artist's vision. That doesn't necessarily happen. The most recent version of that is the Snyder Cut, you know, which uh, we could talk about. Uh, all night, but... <laughs> Listen, it was an artist's vision. Feel however you feel about it, but it yeah. was the movie he wanted yeah, to make, you know. So what I'm sure. saying is... You know, what I'm saying is that Peter Jackson made the movie he wanted to make. And the reason, Paul, to your point, that I know, you know, I know for a fact, but looking at if you watch the special features of the extended edition DVDs, they do dedicate a lot of time to talking about Toriel and how Mm -hmm. she came to be. And it was very much about that giving the Woodland Elves a face and somebody the audience could relate to. And of course, including a female character that was part of the main story. And the storyline between her and Killy is reminiscent of Gimli's love of Galadriel, yep. which is well-established and well explored. You know, so, mm-hmm. and it's also going back to that, you know, the blood feud of the elves and the dwarves, you know, it, there are things that are, get, go beyond that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a studio imposed thing. They wanted to do that because to them it was important. Yeah, but it also made sense in the history of Middle Earth with the whole thing, like you said, with Gimli and Galadriel. Like, it made sense that this wasn't yeah, one he, of incidents. Yeah, he fell in love right? with her, right? Yeah, yeah he fell in love with her. and Especially given your but... previous point, Paul, of, like, elves <laughs> being, like, racist fucks, you know, toward... <laughs> it's, it's very much, you know, like, the story of, like, a white man falling in love with a black woman, you know? Like, it's very much that, or vice versa. Your love you know, isn't real. Man. Yeah, yeah, your exactly. Your love isn't real. But the it's fact... All right, so hang on. I want to talk about an emotional beat here when when the elf king looks at her as she's grieving over Killy's body and he said and she's asking why it hurts so bad and that she hasn't experienced this before see he's laughing and i was gonna say to me that shit works man like that's there it's all there and i'm like i think i actually i think i queued up that line just to play that back it's cheesy as shit don't get me wrong it's a cheesy line but it works for me, man, because I'm like, yeah, that's, I mean, it, it hit me, it hit but me it right here. But it also works, 
Because Thanduil lost his heart when he's, you know, Legolas' mother died, yeah, right? right? They established that, yep. and he isolated himself. So when he sees Tariel in that moment... Going through the same thing, he, yeah. He goes back to that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he's a changed man for all intents and purposes by the end of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. In all fairness, though, I will confess, like, the whole storyline with trying to get into the family drama of Thranduil and Legolas and the mom... Again, as much as I love it, I could I could agree that maybe we didn't need it that much. You didn't yeah, really they advance, don't give it, you know, the story in any way. They don't exactly. give it enough. They don't give it enough. It. Exactly. They don't give it enough to make sense that he tells Legolas at the end, your mother loved you very much. You yeah. know, that felt a little bit yeah, like that, not that earned, line in particular. You know, not earned. Awkward, yeah. Exactly. You know, it was awkward and not earned. Even though they sort of hinted at it, and of course, Tranduil's arch was that he wanted the, the jewels of... Um, Forgot the name of the jewels. Oh my god, I want to die. Uh, the jewels that he wants out of Langasling? No, yeah, something like that. Because his wife, where they, they were his wives or whatever, but, things or whatever. Starlight yeah. jewels. But the point okay. is, like that moment for him and Tauriel, that was important for both of their characters, and it was the moment when Thranduil's heart sort of like stop being stone right know? it, it like allows it allows him a moment to forgive himself so even if it's not yeah, even if exactly. you're not buying it with Galat or with yeah. uh with Killy and uh Tariel like you mm-hmm. al- it allows him to forgive himself in that moment and like Lee Pace is such a great actor I want to reinforce yeah. that Lee Pace is a great fucking actor like yeah. I love him and the fact that yeah. he's in this movie when I heard he was cast I was like oh my god but besides the fact like it's it's a really big deal for me because like that's that's a great piece of character work and like I was watching this movie uh earlier with my friend Kevin and we were talking like it was all these little scenes like there's that moment where Bilbo goes into the tent and he, t- he tries to offer him the uh, the fucking stone, Arkenstone. the Arkenstone. He tries to offer him yeah. the Arkenstone. And like there's that little moment where he like turns toward him. And he's like, I didn't offer it because of you. I offered it because of this. And he like totally throws that away. And it's this great moment of directing. And even though like people aren't going to really focus in on these kinds of things, like this is a great moment of directing because it's such a little turn that makes sense for for Bilbo that he's standing up to someone that clearly feels like they're better than him but it's such a throwaway line that and such a small turn in the scene but it makes sense in terms of Bilbo finding his courage and there's all these little great moments in this movie that build up to it being a good movie because like it's well directed like you could talk about it all well, day about the script being sloppy or whatever but it's well directed it's there the direction yeah, also it's well acted there. you know if you were to grab something from these movies, part. I think like the cast. You know, the ca- the cast is wonderful. It's let's, to me, it's incredibly compelling. <laughs> let's what? talk about oh. the the acting in the White Council scene where we get Galadriel and Gandalf and all the other geriatrics together <laughs> in one space. <laughs> Do you think the acting is good in that scene? Because there were a lot of lines that I felt like were just. Hammed to, uh, to when they're when they're, when they're standing when they're example, standing in one temple with the water running through. That's what you're talking about, right? Uh, when, yeah, they're when, fighting, they're the when they're fighting, when they're when they're fighting the nine. It's her and yeah, when everyone. No, glad Hebrew, no, no, you're talking about the fight in the nine was in Dol Guldur. I thought you were talking about the scene in Rivendell no, when no, no. Gandalf shows the That's what light. I thought you were talking about. No, no, the white the yeah. white council is like Galadriel, Gandalf. Elrond and Saruman and Elrond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so when they're fighting and there's all this like okay, okay, <laughs> kind of stuff going on, <laughs> uh, and that what what is 
What does Gandalf say when Galadriel's holding him? He's like, in another time. You know? I'm like, isn't fucking Galadriel married, you fucking weird slimy oh, bastard? There's this long love and respect between Galadriel and Gandalf. Uh-huh. Like, she, she genuinely you loves the man. How, how do you keep and a marriage together for 3,000 years? Like, uh, how does Galadriel do that? Like, I don't She's like, a Galadriel. fucking elf, man. What do you want me to say? <laughs> Look, all right. So, um, like, this this is one of those things that it's uh, it's it's the it's the mutual respect and it's the it's the love that's felt between them. But there's not there's not a romantic love necessarily. Like while while see, Gandalf hints though. I think mm. I was gonna I was I was gonna say though that I think it speaks to the to the acting of Kate and Sir Ian because I do think deliberately Sir Ian plays Gandalf like he loves her. I do yeah. think there is something there. Unrequited that, you know he unrequited. I think it's unrequited mm. in the romantic way. I think Galadriel loves Gandalf, the woman walked into Dolvaldur to save him, even though in the books she went she went in there, but not necessarily to save uh, Gandalf, she went in there to banish the necromancer. The movie right. in- added that, right? But I do think that Galadriel, Kate plays Galadriel in a way like, you don't even think, at least for me, I never thought she had anything for Gandalf beyond sisterly or yep. respect or love, but I do think Sir Ian adds something there, adds an extra layer of I love you. Sort there's of thing. A, there's that whole thing. But... There's that whole thing with Gandalf and wizards in general, though. Is that like wizards are like viewed in that way? So I hate to bring up the word priest, but it's sort of like in that same way that like wizards, like they're they're devoted to the world and they're devoted to like keeping the peace and like you know uh, in keeping the harmony of Middle Earth. And well, like that's our mission, of... right? Because. They're Meyer. They're Meyer mating to old men. And their old man looks as a disguise for yeah. how ancient and powerful they are. Yeah. You know, but their mission is to keep peace in Middle Earth and yeah. to keep order and to fight the darkness. But I mean that that I, lends itself to things like Galadriel, which is unrequited love. Yeah. Like he's, right, he's still human. Yeah. You you guys are fine with the acting in that scene, you don't you don't have any problems with that. I'm okay with it because I there's subtext there in terms of the directing. If anything, there is a slight continuity situation that does bug me, but it's a very tiny, like when Gandalf lives on the sleigh, he doesn't have a hat, and he has there's nowhere to be seen, and in the next immediately his hat is on. <laughs> that does bother me, Paul. You know, but the acting, no, because it's some mistakes. Man. I think there is a lot unsaid, and continuity. I think there's a lot unsaid. Con, and, and when there's things that you just got to give up because like Scorsese does it all the time and, and fighting the the nine in their shade form or whatever and trying not to break a hip you're fine with that i'm fine scene. with it okay because i'm gonna qualify with this what? because the, <laughs> the geriatric what? fighting with uh with suri and mckellen and uh uh christopher uh, christopher lee like them being old actors and like them trying to do these fight scenes or whatever i'm okay with it because it doesn't look as bad and i hate to denigrate this movie but it doesn't look as bad as robert de niro trying to kick that guy's face <laughs> in in the irishman, irishman. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think that has its roots to then what I just said earlier. 
the wizards they study are Maya, Mayar, which are the lesser Valar in disguise. They're all men look is a disguise. So they're not geriatric by any means. They're very powerful, very ancient beings. And it is believable that we fight to the level that, they, especially Saruman, at that stage in yep. the story, it's Saruman before he falls. Yep. It's Saruman at the peak of goodness and power of Saruman. Yep. You know, so he's Saruman the White. You don't mess with Saruman the White. Yep. Yep. You know, even after he fell to darkness 60 years later. But at this point, he's at the top of his game as the leader of the Ishtari, so it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, he's the leader of his order and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Powerful dude. Retort that, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Geriatric fighting, okay. You know, I mean, to be, to be fair, I understand what you're trying to get at, Paul, but, you know, like, at the same time, I like I said, I hate to denigrate the Irishman, but, like, it's very... It's yeah. very much better than that. But the Irishman, like, it's it's a weird thing with the Irishman because it's, like, it's made to look pathetic in a way because, like, these men are pathetic and that they're destroying their lives because of this stupid thing that they're chasing after, but that's a whole nother thing. And I can defend the Irishman <laughs> all day on all the bullshit that happens in that movie. People fucking hate that movie for some goddamn reason. It's weird. But continuing on, what's another right. grievance that you got, Paul, that you got a real problem with this movie? Uh, all right, so I brought up the fucking inconsistency of the stakes and the tone. You know, I will give we talked, you... We talked about... I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and like speak for you for a second, Paul, because mm-hmm. I feel like maybe a reason why you don't like this movie is that... It's very busy in terms of its visual, like, you know, structure and shit like that. And I sort of felt that watching it this time because I was trying to view it through your eyes on why you would hate this movie. And I was looking at it and I was just like, you know what? Some of the battle scenes they do, they have this like I visual structure that is very. I don't busy. hate it. I don't hate it. I need to hate on it. But <laughs> I mean, the production design is amazing. Everything about pretty much everything you see on the screen is great. There's yeah. a bit, there's some moments where the CG looks fake because it's physically impossible. And so that's <laughs> where you get into the weird barrel bouncing like 500 times and all that right. shit. That's fine uh, as far as I've already complained about it. But uh, let's see here. Let's you know, see one, here. Just real quick. One thing that I will, what did I will say mm-hmm. that I have a problem with this movie is that like um, the other, the Lord of the Rings movies had a a better way of doing this and I don't really know any other way of saying this other than talk about aesthetics is that like since the Lord of the Rings was shot on 35 and this was shot on digital there's this element missing with these movies that Lord of the Rings was really good about is that they would find these little moments where it would feel very raw and almost like independent in a way that it's like it's it's sort of grainy un un Hollywood eyes like raw lighting and shit like that that it feels real it's like it's very raw lighting a lot of handheld it feels unpolished for lack of a better mm-hmm. word and there's a lot in this movie in these in these Hobbit movies that there's never a moment where something feels unpolished and because of that there is an emotional distance that I have with this movie that it doesn't have those real moments where you're viewing these characters as human for lack of a better word mm-hmm. and that's one problem that I do have with this movie is that I like those moments in Lord of the Rings where it is unpolished and it feels raw and it feels urgent and that doesn't happen in the Hobbit movies. It feels very graded and polished and put together. And like, it, I, I'm 
missing that. Perfect. So, Everything uh, looks perfect yeah, at all it times. Does. Yeah, Absolutely. that's a fair. That's a fair. That's a fair. Fair thing. I would. I would add maybe that the closest we get to that in the Hobbit, it's Bilbo. You know, because he's the he's us in a way, right at the beginning. Yeah. Like who is this thrown into this thing that he doesn't really understand and getting to know all these characters and I think that's what Martin Freeman is so wonderful in it. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like he he brings this raw emotion and this very relatable Bilbo to yeah. life. Which so is many he's subtle kind of moments. Useless for most yeah. of the movie, you know. <laughs> I mean, in the book, doesn't he get knocked out or some shit? So he well, wakes up thing, after the battle. That's the other argument. But, uh, well, that's the here, other argument I would is, say. He just kind of sits around jerking off most of the time, you know. So. I mean, but that's the other yes. argument I would say is like why this movie was made. In the books, a lot of things happen very quickly, you know, to like uh, the, the, the works and the orcs get there and the dwarves are, you know, there's like this bloodless siege happening between Thranduil and Bard and Thorin, right, in the mountain, and then the orcs come in, and, and then right. they leave the mountain and everything, and then Bilbo gets knocked out, right as, you know, and and he wakes up. You know, he gets knocked out right as the eagles and Beorn showed up, and he's saying the eagles are coming. So we see a lot of very quick moments, and then he's knocked out and he missed the battle. So we don't get a battle. Not yeah. in the way that we get it in the movie. So <laughs> yeah. obviously, when you're when they yeah. decided the to make these two films, what, like five they have to make in the book yeah, or exactly. <laughs> they have to yeah. make the battle of the five armies. They have to do a whole movie about yeah. it. And something I learned that I didn't know, and maybe gave you know this because you know a lot about what went behind the scenes. They wrapped principal photography, and they didn't have the battle of five armies. They didn't have it. Mm. You know, they made it months later. Mm-hmm. In you know a, a mocap yeah. studio with like mm-hmm. yeah. twelve stuntmen, you know, they didn't plan and he on, had uh, you know two two extra movies or whatever. It was. <laughs> you know, they, so they, they had to do it later. But if you're gonna make a third movie, you have to create all these things, right? right? And Bilbo also, he didn't get knocked out here, not in the same way. I mean, he did for a minute, right? He did for a minute there in right. the middle, but. We don't go. We we don't go unconscious. We don't. I mean, we stay going, there and see going what's into happening. that, I want to go into that a little bit deeper with the with the books because, uh, like, I, I want to talk about specifically with the two towers, right? Like the end of the two towers, the book is Sam runs into a wall, knocks himself the fuck out, and like that's it. Like that's the end of the book. He knocks himself the fuck out, and you don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> and wasn't it like fifteen years between him writing the Two Towers and writing Return of the King? It was like a big gap, where everybody that may have been reading this that was just like, "Oh shit, what happened to Sam and Frodo?" Like he's in the middle of a cave and he knocks himself the fuck out, and like we just have to sit here and wonder what the hell is going on. <laughs> like it's the equivalent I of the sixth season remember. of Sopranos when he cuts to black. Like in the middle of the sentence, it's like, "What the fuck, man? Like, what? What's happening? I need to figure out what's happening." Uh, and like, it, it, I don't remember the moments. gap. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't I, know how long it was. I don't remember. I how could long it be. Was. I'm, am I misremembering the end of the two I, towers though? Because I remember. No, that's the I end. Remember that about I mean, the book is that yeah. he knocks himself the fuck out, yep. and like you know, you have to wait until you read the third book uh, in order to figure out what happens. The third book is laborious in order to try to get back to Sam and Frodo. You're like, oh my god, like I'm 100 pages in and where the fuck is Sam and Frodo? Like all I want to know is what happened to Sam. Like he's in the middle of this cave. (laughs) He's in trouble. 
But you know, Let's I mean, the, the, about, the, the laborious uh, problems that you're talking about are <laughs> indicative to Tolkien, though. I mean, the Council of Elrond is 130 pages in the right. first book that doesn't need to be that long. It's just this fucking, you know, I don't want to shit on Tolkien. There is a lot, though, in the books. No, no, but we could talk about that all, all day, about he lingers on a lot of things. He indulges on yeah. a lot of things, oh, you, know, you know, descriptive <laughs> things. Crazy. You know, Spend 20 pages. What, Let's, what so in the adaptation process, we we get the Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh, uh, like uh, signature of forced conflict, where there's nothing in the book about it, but Peter Jackson goes and makes makes something more dramatic, adds some character motivation that wasn't there in the book, just to add conflict between the example. characters to make it uh example in in the book uh theramir wait his name's theramir what? is that Theramin? right cool. no boromir's what brother boromir's about? brother faramir faramir he meets frodo and sam he talks to them about the ring decides he doesn't want anything to do with it and lets them go in the movie, Peter Jackson, they manufacture this whole thing where they have to go to drag him along to Osgiliath, where there's all the drama of them thinking that they're going to have to go to Minas Tirith and bring the ring to Gondor, where they obviously don't want to go for a lot of reasons. Are you complaining about the forbidden pools, Paul? Is that what your problem is? <laughs> no, no, no. So that's an example of forced conflict. Then Faramir yeah. has a turn of character. He realizes that that's really a bad idea and lets them go. It makes the story more interesting in a lot of ways. Gives Faramir yeah. some inner conflict. You know, I think that's a good example of forced conflict. But in this movie, there's a lot where they add it and it just kind of bogs <laughs> down the whole movie. So what's a forced or, conflict or just problem that you have in this let's, I was okay. say, Forced let's conflict, get an example. Yes. like Azog, he's killing all the dwarves and the humans and the elves in this big battle. And he's uh -huh. like, you know what? Let's attack the city full of women and children. Tactically dumb. A waste of fucking time. But we need that, like... Wait, we wait, need wait, Bard wait. to care about his family, and we need shots. We need Peter Jackson porn of women looking scared <laughs> and rocks falling on their heads and shit. Wait, 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 so wait. So then we have all gotta, these scenes in the ask, city. What is what is Azog's full name? Azog the Defiler. As there far you as go. I know. Okay, yeah, so yeah. where is the force conflict with somebody called the Defiler? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> But there's, uh, I there's actually, there's not too much of that in this movie. I feel like, but you have compared a to the books because he after. like, you know, they create, you know, uh, the, what's her name, the one female character. What's her name again? Tariel. Tariel. You know, there's the forced conflict between Tariel and Legolas, where he's kind of into her. She's not, you know, a bunch of. Love triangle bullshit, and then it's not forced Tariel's, Tariel's banished, no, and so Legolas has to be. I... He says, "Oh fuck you! I'm going to be banished too." Like, why? Why is I, that the, necessary? The reason I argue, <laughs> the reason I argue, is not a love triangle. Is because Tauriel never, in any way, encourages Legolas. Yeah. Infatuation. 
Yeah. In any way. You know, yeah. to me, for it to be a love triangle, she has to be a, a, a willing participant of the love triangle, uh, meaning like she yep. is encouraging Legolas in some way mm -hmm. or responding to his infatuation with her in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, she never does that. Never, not once. You know, she's always actually kind of distant to him and treats him with respect because he is, in theory, her commanding officer, not mm -hmm. to mention the son of the king, right? So yeah. that's why I take issue with calling it a, tri a love triangle because he's not. You know, he obviously, definitely, they, they made him <laughs> like he cares about her beyond what he should. But there's but the manufactured she, drama that wasn't there in the book in her legless being jealous of her love for a dwarf adding that's, all that shit. I can, I but can that agree with you, Paul, that, that I don't racism think... 60 years later. You know what I'm saying? Like, But no, but in all fairness, though, I would agree with Paul that Legolas caring about Tauriel beyond, the, you know, they could still be good friends and, and, you know, a partner in arms or whatever, and it would have worked, yeah. you know? But yeah, he definitely fine. had certain attachment to her that you could argue didn't really advance the story or sure. develop his character that much. Sure. Because I do think that if you were going to develop character there was something way more interesting in the thing with Tandruil. and they were doing they were trying to develop that relationship and the Tranduil and the mom backstory yeah. maybe they spend less time having legolas pining after Tandruil and <laughs> fleshing out the story with the dad you yeah. know maybe that yeah. would have been when the Tranduil and legolas thing would have been way more right yeah yeah you know? if you flesh yes, that exactly. out more it would make more sense with like yeah. this see, i feel like yeah. that was because a studio thing that they oh didn't God. have that Here bullshit in there in the beginning <laughs> but they're like you know what I, we need some more drama oh we need God. legolas to be in love with thrandiel or whatever see, so let's uh, let's add a few lines of him like reacting and talking still, about her he could have still been put off by the fact she was attacked to this dwarf how is this whole like love thing like justified at all like they talk like three times in the movie or some shit like they barely it have any matter. speaking right, lines hang on, hang together on, hang on just just so, stop just stop how does it hurt so much you don't have to talk to somebody in order to like have a deep conversation in order to feel <laughs> infatuated with somebody like you don't have to have that like you don't have to have that fucking conversation like you can be infatuated really? just basically on some sort of chemistry that you're feeling there's, between the there's two there's infatuation but then yeah there's love where it hurts so much and it's so real because he's fucking dead <laughs> but see but see there is i would say there's the first no thing he says I, to her I, is that there's might be something in his pants and he should she should search him you know this is come on <laughs> I, I mean i agree with you that moment they made me roll my eyes i will confess <laughs> okay. to that I rolled my eyes. I did. Okay? I was like, come on. But it, is it above a dwarf who's basically a fucking brute that lives in the ground in order to say something like oh, that? Oh, no, no. He's not a brute. No, he's, he's very supermodel-y compared to all the other ugly-ass dwarves. Yeah, he's the hunk. Exactly. But he's not. He's, no, but... He's probably Somebody an overly fucking dwarf. Get the fuck out of here with the his, killing. His face is all misshapen. He doesn't have the big knobbly nose. Like all the other dwarfs <laughs> think he's no, ugly as fuck. I hate to be this person, but yes, in the special features of the of the Cinderellas, they go into that. They had big prosthetics and big beard, and he looks super ugly. And then they made him uh -huh. not. 
ugly because yeah, they, they decided. Decision. Yeah, they decided. They took <laughs> off. They had a big forehead, big nose. Even Thorin, to be fair, yeah. even Thorin no. yeah. looked drastically different. They were all they, ugly they, the earlier designs. The studio yeah, didn't but like what it. I was gonna say though, talking about what you were saying, Paul, about feeling forced or whether or not it was earned that she yeah. was in love with him or whatever. I think you could you could make that argument. You know, in truth, they interacted a few times, but. As, as, a, as a person, you know, as a, you, you can sort of understand making a connection with somebody sure. you just met. It does happen, you know, yep. and then throw into those circumstances, life and death circumstances. But beyond that, I would say in the original script, they actually were meant to kiss in Lake Town after Lake Town gets destroyed and they kind of say goodbye on the beaches uh, of the yep. lake. And Evangeline Lilly, the actress who plays Tauriel, said they haven't earned this. It makes no, no sense for them to kiss right now. Yep, you know, yep. and Peter Jackson took the note from her and <laughs> didn't make it happen. And but then, then nothing else happens in the rest him? of the movie. She and him. <laughs> doesn't earn no, she kisses the him death scene. When he dies, because that's when she realized that she loved him. That's the truth. Taudiel didn't call it love uh, or realize that she loved him until he was dead. dead. That's the tragic uh, part of it, you know? So that's when she kisses him because that's when... Yep. She realizes what she's feeling makes sense. It's real. But there was a kiss that was taken out because, yeah, I agree. It would have felt incredibly forced of them kissing out of the blue. You know, like, no, they had a, to me, it was meaningful, more meaningful the way it played out in the movie yeah. than them having kissed. Yeah, and it's more yeah, tragic so. that way, too. It gives you some sort of. Yeah, it's tragic. And I'm a sucker for a, a star crossed lover. So what do you want yeah. from me? Of course I'm going to defend this. motherfucker. You know, Come on. I'm a sucker for this. Two people in love. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'll, I mean, a, I'll take a, it. a lot of the romantic angle in this movie is dealing with uh, ro- unrequited love, as we mentioned before. And that's like something that's like very strong in this movie is that like mindset. And I think that it, I think that romantic movies or romantic moments in movies have entirely to do with like how, or if it works or not has entirely to do with what your own personal experience is with that you know what i'm saying and like that's it's it's hard because like for instance like there's that movie like crazy with anton yelchin and felicity jones that like i love and i really attach to because i've been through something like that but like my friend amy has the complete opposite reaction like she fucking hates that movie and she hasn't had that moment in her life and i'm like to me it speaks truth but to somebody else it doesn't speak truthfully yeah and I, feel, and I feel like with Tario, especially, like, I can understand where Tario and Killy are coming from, and I can Not attach to that. So for me, it doesn't feel like a love triangle. It doesn't feel like something that's forced, because even though she's an invented character and I was very aware of that when I was watching the movie, even still, with an invented character, me being already, like, having a barrier between me and the movie because of that, it didn't bother yeah. me as much as it should have, because I could attach to the feelings that were being portrayed here and i think it's very very subjective the other thing i would add talking about the romance in these films and if we go back to lord of the rings we got aragorn and arwen right which is a love story for the ages and it's also very tragic in it you know in its own right even though it had a happy ending yeah but then it had a happy ending but then he died and she was alone you know and died alone after but even Which is then, tragic in the earlier, fuck. It's very tragic, exactly. So in the earlier versions of the script of Lord of the Rings, 
Arwen had a more active role. She was yeah. supposed to come to Helm's Deep and fight and all those things. And mm-hmm. I wish actually it would have gone that direction mm-hmm. because it was one of the most beautiful things of the movies and we got so little of it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so very little of it. And I thought Vigo I mean, and it's, Liv it's brought those characters books, to life honestly, so beautifully. There's not much going on in the books, it, 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 so Yeah, but then again, you can, take, you can say... There is a whole appendix. Is that how you call it? No. Appendix, appendix. yes. Yeah, there is appendix. Appendix, which it is the, the, their story, how yeah. they met, how mm-hmm. they fell in love, mm-hmm. and their eventual deaths, right? Yeah. So I welcomed the fact that Tauriel and Keeley, two active players in the main storyline, mm-hmm. had that connection, and it was a, a part of the overall story because... I regret it. I missed that. I was very sad we didn't see Elwin and Faramir fall in love in the mm-hmm. healing houses of Gondor, mm-hmm. which is one of the best chapters of Return of the King. Mm-hmm. You know, so that is the other thing uh, that that's why, you know, it speaks to me because I, I like that. I mean, you, well, I mean, you talk like about... You talk about You talk about like in the middle of this battle, and they take like an extra ten minutes for that scene to play it's out, and then it goes fault. back to the it's battle. Well, you you, you talk about adaptations, jarring. and you want to talk about adaptations in terms of the book versus the movie. The Return of the King is like the sloppiest one in terms of the way that they adapted the book. Like the book is radically different, especially with the incomplete omission of the scorching of the Shire and blah 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 blah. Like, which is a huge problem because it fucks up the stakes for everybody with the scorching of the Shire. But like all of that being left out, like I still accept the movie for what it is and I love the movie for being the best one out of the group. I think getting rid of the scorching of the Shire is one of the best decisions they made, honestly. Really? I agree with Paul. I agree with Paul. It's already uh, long enough. The the giant climax is destroying the ring. I I had a problem with that. (laughs) I'm confused on why you guys didn't like or that you were happy with the scorching of the Shire disappearing from Return of the King. That seems like the massive comp, like the massive uh, climax of the whole trilogy is destroying the ring. And then there's already three endings after that. Like, why do we need this whole denouement thing about the scorch? There's a lot that happens in the scorching of the Shire and it's just too much. Too much to. I, mean, keep. I I would argue you could make a fourth movie about that in order yeah, to properly yeah, go into it. Honestly, Paul, you're absolutely right. Return of the King, as much as I love it, because it is my favorite out of the three original ones. Um, it feels like it doesn't end. You think it ended, and it then we go back again, and then it ended, and then we go back again. And I, I kind of like, yeah, love that though be because day, I didn't you know? I didn't want it to end. You know, like exactly, I, was I didn't that. want it to end. <laughs> yes. I agree, but uh, but it's true what Paul is saying. So I think throwing the scorching of the Shire at that point would have not made it justice. Honestly, and I think Peter Jackson said that somewhere. He said, like, if I was going to do the scorching of the Shire, I would have had to do it right. Yeah. So he was not going to half-ass it, you know? So he decided to take it out. And I think it makes and sense I mean, that plus, we do, if we you have to do hole. Scorching the Shire, then Sauron doesn't fall from the top of the Tower of Ornthank on yeah. the spike. And yeah. so, I mean, yeah, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, again, we could, you, know, you had a moment there, right? When Saruman dies and all that. So right, yeah. I think, okay, without the scorching of the Shire, I would have rather see more of Eowyn and Faramir. You yeah. know, that, that yeah. would have been me. Yeah, shame. All right. Oh, fine. I'll, I'll release the scorching yeah. of the Shire then. So, anyways, <laughs> back to The Hobbit. Yeah. Five armies. Five We've got how many mini boss and boss battles have, happening at once? Do you have a problem? 
do you have a problem with the way that Billy Connolly did Dane and all that whole thing? Nah, that was fun. That was fun. I like his I think he's the best cake. part of this movie. Like, I, I think mean, his battle great. cake's pretty sweet. <laughs> I mean, I, I I really enjoy all of the, the creativity that went into making kind of unique orc and dwarf characters like all these little side characters that have their own thing right. like the crazy troll with the hooks in its eyes and right. gets yeah. controlled but you know at, at some point then they have to wrap up and give everyone their own death so now you have these two like <laughs> orc generals one Legolas is battling him and then you got Azog and uh, Thorin, Thorin yeah. and their fight which I thought the fight was pretty cool I think uh, with the ice and all that, but at the same <laughs> time, he is... somehow held his breath for five minutes. Whatever the fuck. Uh, well, he's Azog, man. He can do, you know, he's full of he rage, hatred. He can do things. <laughs> See, man, I, 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 it's when you mentioned that, because I was of the thought that, like, I, the way, you know, Azog came back and got the upper hand on Thorin was incredibly mm-hmm. aggravating. Me. you know because i mean obviously thorin had to die right he does right, right, in the books right. and 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 which by so the way the death scene Ian between Kay. bilbo and thorin is deserved and is good compared it's to so, the so beautiful and compared sad. to the other death scene with with kelly lady and kelly <laughs> well but also in the in the books you don't get you know philly and kelly die defending thorin's body you know but we don't we don't see that we are told that's what Uh, happened you know but in the movie they get their moment to die right it's rather horribly mad because they get their coda yeah exactly but 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 the thing is like it's also the the symbolism asog says i'm ending during's line you know i'm ending your line your bloodline you know he's killing the next in line for the the king under the mountain throne which is um philly Right, and then Keely sees his brother die, and it's horrible. And eventually, that leads to his death because he charges, and you know all that. Yeah, yeah. This is How many slow motion so, charges are in this movie? Out of curiosity, eat a dick, Paul. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's quite a lot. <laughs> what's 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 I say? Uh, you know, it's just um, ah, occupational hazard. Uh, yeah, let's say yeah, that really. slow mo slow mo charges are an occupational hazard you in know, this. Movie, Real know? quick, I just wanted to bring up how much I don't I don't want to keep coming back to the fact that I love Billy Connolly so much, but after <laughs> like uh, uh, my friend Kevin hadn't seen this movie, and so like we were watching it, and so he sees like Kevin Connolly or I'm sorry, uh, Billy Connolly, and we were talking about Billy Connolly for a second, and I had to send him some clips of Billy Connolly from that documentary. Fuck, you remember that, Paul? That uh, that Bill Plimpton documentary. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I sent him that one where he was talking about, like, fuck off doesn't mean go away. Fuck off means fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> and it's such a great moment with Billy Connolly. If you haven't seen that, Laura, you got to check out the documentary. It's called Fuck. Uh, no. It's from 2005. It's a great, great documentary, but it's really, really funny shit. And Billy Connolly's fantastic in it, which is part of the reason why I love him so much. And going back to Boondock Saints 2, which we fucking did, I, I hate that they killed him the way they did because it's totally not deserved. And, like, I'm sorry, Billy, that two of these movies ended up on the fucking podcast because you don't deserve that. You're a great actor and you're a great comedian. But besides the fact, moving on. <laughs> so, Legolas rides a bat. 
<laughs> you got a problem with this? All right, hold up. Hold up. Before you bitch about it, you're telling me that you're okay with the elephant in Return of the King. Yeah, that's but you're not okay with the fucking bat. Come on. So the bat decides to fly along this line of troops that's perfectly spread out into two columns that... <laughs> <laughs> Legolas can decapitate maybe hundreds or thousands of troops in one fell swoop. Come on. I love Come you, on. man, right? Shut the fuck up. It's great shit, man. It goes in line with everything that we've seen Legolas do before uh, in the Ring trilogy. I mean, come on. Like, the whole thing with Helm's Deep with him and Gimli, like, duking it out and, like, trying to say who killed more. Like, it makes sense. Like, you, I know that you said on a previous episode that, you know, Legolas being a murdering bastard throughout this entire movie, like, his whole M.O. is murdering the fuck out of anybody that's not a dwarf or uh, an elf, man. Like, come on. Uh, that is, but it, honestly, it's just like orc killing yeah he's very yeah. good at orc killing yeah. any yeah. type of orc and it's funny you mentioned the bad scene paul because i thought actually the falling steps was pushing it way farther <laughs> Dude, my 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 suspense of disbelief was pushed yeah. way oh. farther yeah. with him not falling yeah. than with him hanging off a bat and doing what he did <laughs> considering what he did on Helm's Deep and what he did in the battle of the fields of Pelennor, you know yeah. him defying gravity as light as elves are was yeah. my moment when Legolas, I love you, but that was a tad, I don't know if I buy it. And I love Legolas. I, I had a light scythe poster yeah. of Legolas in my room when I was a <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I, yeah, I just want to bring this up. I've never been a fan of Orlando Bloom, like, ever. And I kind of didn't like the fact that he was in Lord of the Rings for a long time because I just don't like him as an actor. But he was just, he's also in Black Hawk Down, and I love him in Black Hawk Down, even though, like, he's a useless character and, like, they changed his character for the movie. But, like, I don't like him as an actor. And it's kind of crazy that with, like, two of my favorite trilogies... The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, especially Lord of the Rings, that him being in it doesn't fuck it up for me because I really don't like him. I as an mean, actor. he's, I he's I mean, the only person he, that could play Legolas at this point. Like, yeah. sure. and it's interesting you say that, Gabe, because he Lord of the Rings. Correct me if I'm wrong, but was his first big. It was his big break. It was. You know? It was. So um, you hated him after when you saw him in other stuff that wasn't Lord of the Rings, or you hated well, him in Lord of the Rings. I hated. I hated. Word. I hated him just because, like you know, like I mean, everybody. I had seen Lord of the Rings, obviously, and I had seen Black Hawk Down. Like Black Hawk Down had come out before Lord of the Rings. I mean, and I, I hate he, him because he has perfect oh, complexion yeah. and like an ageless face in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I mean, personally, he's just too goddamn good looking. I mean. But in The Hobbit, I hate him less because you can see him age and get puffier and stuff. So it's okay. He's mortal. Hey, I have no problem <laughs> saying, like, reading Lord of the Rings, the, I was immediately drawn to the elves. So obviously, the Legolas was a favorite of mine. You know, my favorite race out of the Tolkien lore Even is definitely Hugo the elves. Weaving is so, an ugly motherfucker. If you, if you were I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You Hugo, would be an elf. Hugo, Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, Rivendell, you guys, it's yeah, not okay. that hard to put that together. Also, fuck you, Ugo weaving as Elrond, it's incredible, and no, it's also no, kind of hot, it, so I'm sorry. What? Oh it's, my god. Yes. Hugo yes, weaving looks like a, the Hugo fucking tongue of a goddamn used up, amazing. blown out leather shoe, I, I think man. He's, no. I think he's perfect, his face is great. Anybody, yeah. I would fight anybody, Elrond is hot as fuck. I would wow. fight anybody. Well, oh I'm sorry. God. You know, yeah. however, 
I'm very partial to Legolas, you know, obviously. So in the movies, when I saw the Orlando play Legolas, I didn't know him, you know, and I was all over that as a 15-year-old. <laughs> I don't even know how old no, was. You know, I was like, definitely, yes, I love it. So I am not, I don't have particularly strong feelings about Orlando as an actor. I don't think, I don't hate him like you do, Gabe. You know, I think he's okay. I think he's good. But if you ask me, definitely, you know, Legolas is what I go back to when I think of Orlando. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, when it came out, I went to see it for Orlando Bloom. You know, people went to see it for Johnny Depp. I went to see the first Pirates uh, for Orlando Bloom. That's I went truth. to go see yeah. it for Keira Knightley, and, and then I quickly fell I, off see, that bandwagon. There's, a, there's <laughs> an actress I don't particularly care for. No, I don't but, either. But, you know, I absolutely adored the first Pirates movie. I'll fight anybody, but I'll, I adored the first Pirates movie. Did you see Elizabeth Town? I did. I didn't care for it. There you Actually, go. I didn't there it, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. But <laughs> Orlando, I love you. Whatever you are, I'm a fan forever. You know, so there. And he's married to Gary Perry, and they're amazing, and I love them. So anyway, Wait, what that's the my, fuck? Really? Well, I don't know if they're married, but they, ha- they just had a kid. Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom. No they just fucking had a kid way. And they're gorgeous. Oh, my they're God. They're gorgeous, and I love them, oh. and they're the cutest. What the motherfucker? Yes. So what much, yes. Fuck? So much. He was married to Miranda Kerr, who's also lovely. Right. They had a kid, Finn. And now he had a kid with Katy Perry recently, no and they're like way. the most adorbs. So, yeah. Orlando, I love fucker. you. <laughs> <laughs> and you and Katie, I wish you the best. Great. There, that's okay. my rant. Yeah. That's right. my rant. Whatever. So, <laughs> speaking of Orlando Bloom as Legolas, everyone's dead. Of course, the Eagles come and save everyone's ass because it's fucking Tolkien. Fuck you. All right, fuck you. All right, hang on. I, I, I got to address this for, I gotta address this for a second, right? Whenever it stop gets real for a bad. second. Just, just stop, all right? Because you, know well, you know as well as I do because you read the books, the Eagles wanted nothing to do with the war, okay? Like, they wanted nothing to do with it. And the only reason that they came in on it is because they basically owed Gandalf a favor from back in the day, okay? Like, they wanted nothing to do with any of the shit that was happening. And the only reason that they saved Sam and Frodo was because they owed Gandalf. <laughs> okay, forget right? about that. So well, you, what about this? You... Why are the Eagles here in this movie? Because they can? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're, they're, yeah. Because they're in the book. And uh, no, why? Why are they in the book? Why did the Eagles? Why did the Eagles, Eagles have a stake in the book? I don't even no, remember. They like don't. it's been so they long since no, the Hobbit. The Eagles. The, the Eagles are sort of like the the get out of the get out of jail free card. Jail free card. Yeah. yeah. Every you know, fucking time. That, they're really. I mean, Fuck honestly, you. they're really. You know, in the in the books, they don't get involved, and in the books, they do get fleshed out a little bit because. Correct me if I'm wrong, because and I might be misremembering some things, you know, for the record, because I I made several claims that I'm pretty sure I'm talk. right, but again, I might be misremembering. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Yeah. In the books, we actually get a conversation between Gandalf and the yeah. Eagles, yeah. you know, and the Eagles don't get involved because it's just not their thing. They're they're about yep. these lowly Middle Earth issues, you know, yep. much like. Other characters, much like Beorn, you know, at some point he was like, I'm not getting involved in this, right? And then he went and fought the orcs. But um, so they are sort of like a get out of jail free card, mm-hmm. and they're used that way, both in, you know, the Battle of the Five Armies yep. and in the Battle of the Black Gate. Yep. And they also you know? actually and literally the- get Gandalf out of jail yeah. when he's on Orthanc. And so. get Gandalf out of Orthanc in Isengard. Dude, it's so true. Yeah, see, sorry, I walk right into that. I walk right into so that. So it's a plot so device. The thing, I don't, yeah. Yeah. the thing I don't remember 
I honestly don't remember is if there is something that it said later on as to why they decided to join the fray in the in the movie they show Radagast riding an eagle yes. so stands to is their way of telling you that that was what Radagast did yeah. he went and rallied the eagles and brought them to the battle honestly only I don't remember if that is even a thing yeah. only wizards can do it I think it was yeah. I thought the whole thing in the Hobbit was set up because all the parties involved just were greedy and they wanted the gold for themselves and the well, treasure. Well, that's a recurrent theme yeah. in all of Tolkien's sure. storylines. Yeah. And I mean I think, all of them, like the Silmarillion, the Hobbit, yeah. the Lord of the Rings. But as far as I remember, that, that was basically everyone's base motivation for the five army battle. Even yeah. though the eagles are kind of this... You know, divine device in all of the books. They weren't. They weren't above. You know, fucking up some shit just to get their hands, their claws on some gold. I mean, I don't but, know. Uh. I'm not accurate of the eagles, uh-huh. and I will argue that Bard and his people, mm-hmm. they just wanted what he was promised to them, right? Yeah. And what they needed to to re- rebuild their lives, right? And yeah. Thorin, we all know how that went, but um, you know, but greed. Yeah. It's the underlying theme in all of Tolkien's world because I, even when he was when he wrote the Silmarillion and I'll let you speak in a minute, the whole thing was the War of the Jewels, who was the Silmarils that yeah. had the the light of the trees of Valinor, yeah. and that was the the basis of the whole the Morgoth, you know, Melkor later known as Morgoth. So greed is a theme. It's there, mm-hmm. like revenge. It's in Quentin Tarantino's movies, you know. It's yeah. it's that Tolkien's thing, yeah. right? Go ahead, Gabe. You were going to say something. No, I was just going to say, actually, now I'm blanking on what I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I mean, I agree with what you're saying in terms of the greed and everything like that. But it's 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 the the one thing that I have trouble with this movie in, or in this series of movies in particular is that I don't attach to Thorin for a majority of this movie. Because he just like kind of goes off the deep end, is just like drunk with gold power, and he's just like, "Oh my god, I need the Ark and yeah. Stone." I mean, my dad, blah blah blah, blah. Fuck off, you know. Like so that's, honestly, that's the only I wish I this movie is that he I becomes wish... very one note for the second <laughs> act because he's just doing stupid yeah. shit because he's greedy and he's like gold hungry, yeah. and I'm not okay with well, it. Well, the whole I think that the dragon sickness. It's mentioned, and obviously there is a whole scene with Balin and Bilbo, and he's yeah. talking about it, right? And he's telling yeah. him, I've seen it before, all that. But in fairness, I don't think it's conveyed that effectively, you know, that it's beyond greed. Dragon sickness, it's a thing. It's something that is affected, you know. I mean, Thorin's I get it with Thorn's birthright and shit, you know, like, yeah. I get that with Thorn, but at the same time, like, I... I feel like there's this Shakespearean element missing, which is that, like, he's going to rail against, like, what his father wanted, you know? And, like, he's not, like, while he is the king under the mountain and, like, he has the gold and shit, like, he's going to do something different from his father. And the fact that he fell right in line with it, it, like, betrays itself in that way. And, like, I have a hard time connecting with Thorne for a majority of it, which is fine because I connect with Bilbo instead during this whole thing. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it does drag down this movie because he is so one note for the it second is, act. Well, I, I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. I was more very much like, get over yourself, man. Come on. You know? Stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fucking Arkenstone. Oh, my God. It's sparkly <laughs> rock. Oh, my God. But you, you could argue, like, the way they, they portray his death in the movie, you know, like, he decided that 
reading the world of Asog was more important than him living to be king sure. under the mountain. Yeah, that's his redemption. You know, that that was very powerful. It was his redemption and also making his peace with Bilbo and all that. But sure, because he was so obsessed, right? With like, this yeah. is my birthright. I'm gonna do this. And then at the end of the day, he was like, I'm gonna read the world of this evil. Yeah. And fuck if I die or not. You know, I <laughs> thought that was very powerful. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. Yeah. That's decent enough. Decent. How, how much how much strength does Azog have to have with this fucking hucking of the brick behind us right now? Like, like the fact that he cracks yeah. out like a perfectly circular like ice yeah. sheet that's like shifting around. I mean, it wouldn't and be possible. To See, there's a moment Legolas on the thing. There you go. See, yeah, going that's, upstairs. That's, the bridge. And then oh, he does man, the WWE Legolas. like fucking like leg crush around the neck thing. Yeah, I get it. I got it. I mean, it's, how many, it's indulgent. How many people get hit in the face with an axe or a sword in this movie <laughs> from like 30 yards away? Because there's a lot. I like how I like how Dane is just smashing the shit out of people with a hammer. Right. Like that's the there's thing, always, man. always. Oh my god, I don't know how many moments. It seems to be a Peter Jackson. Signature move here where there's one character axe in the to, face who's about to be murdered by someone behind them and they get cut down from a distance <laughs> by the other character throwing their sword or the axe, which I'm pretty sure is nearly impossible <laughs> to get a good strike like that, but whatever, it's fine, we'll let it go. You know, the only other You're complaint, let that go. okay, the only other complaint I have about this movie is at the end when Thor and Deer Legolas are talking and Legolas says he's not coming back to Mirkwood because he's, I don't know, butthurt or whatever. <laughs> and Thor, Thor, Thor and Deer tells Thranduil. him to go. Thranduil. What? Whatever. Thranduil. Yeah. That one. Thranduil. Thranduil. Right. Yeah. His dad. Thranduil. Yeah. Tells him to go seek out the Dunedin in the north and right. find this this guy named Strider. Let me guess, you find that ham-fisted. That's he doesn't good. call him by name. He, he, he doesn't says call he's, him by he's name. known no. as Strider. That's what he says. He, he says you'll that. Have to find he out says there's his a, name there is a young yeah he yeah. has a young young ranger. He says Strider. Okay. Yeah, he's he's known as Strider, but yeah. you have to find his real name. Yeah. And I'm like, why the fuck is he sending him to find this, like, Aragorn was, like, five at this point. Like, how has he made no, himself no, a reputation? No, he wasn't five. No, no. Yeah, he was. No, no, yeah. no, no it's he not. Was Aragorn, Aragorn, because he's from, the, Aragorn is the last of the living men who are blessed with the long life sure, sure, of, the, sure. of the Dunedain. But so he mentioned in the, the Lord of the Rings that he's 83. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. By the time during this time period. Yes, exactly. But I'm pretty sure Aragon was really young at this point in this he story. Was 20. Oh yeah, of course he was. But he was in his twenties. Yeah, he was in his twenties. Right, right. I'll let I'll let it I'll let it go. We'll. <laughs> well, also, well, I would. Timeline's there, man. Then. Yeah, and I would argue then that it it ties back to the same reason of why you have Legolas in this movie. 
fan service and connections yeah. that we would like. But, it, it, it's great to know because also it's established that Legolas and Aragorn know each other. Yeah. That is established. I mean, what was the, uh, in their Lord of the Rings. What's the setup? I, I can't remember how the bridge between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings came about in terms of the book. I don't remember how The Hobbit ended. Was there a bridge there that I'm not remembering? Not really. Bilbo goes no. and no. kind of hangs out Bilbo, in the Shire. Just it gets to the scorching of yeah. the Shire. They get through the whole thing, and that is it. There is no connection. Because also Tolkien, at the time, Lord of the Rings was, was not a thing. You yeah. know, like That's why yeah. there are certain things that were fleshed out and, and, and created or even... Maybe even inconsistent sure between one and the other. Tolkien went back and revised The Hobbit after he wrote Lord of the Rings and came so. out with a new edition I, where he added some things right. uh, to make it make more sense and everything like that. <laughs> I think you're right. Together. Or tie but, the books but together. But there was no in between. There was no in between. Those yeah. 60 years were just, just peaceful years yeah. for Bilbo in the Shire. And then Aragorn was a young ranger yeah. and met like yeah, a last of some point. It's the equivalent of uh, Jesus going from 12 to 33 in the Bible. It's just this blank spot that we don't know really what happened. <laughs> well, I mean, like, Aragorn's running around tracking Gollum. Gollum goes Meeting around. Meeting Arwen yeah. in Rivendell yeah. because he was racing yeah. in Rivendell. That's weird because, yeah. because Aragorn <laughs> grows up, like... Elrond is his foster dad, essentially. Yeah. And he grows yeah. up. Yeah. But in the story of their meeting, he's never fucking met her or heard of her. Because Arwen, because Arwen <laughs> spent a lot of time in Lorien. Because Arwen's mother is Galadriel's daughter. Galadriel is actually Elrond's mother-in-law, if you will. Huh. So Arwen spent a lot of time in Lorien, which wait, is where her mom wait, was Elrond from. Wait, Galadriel got it that? on? What? Okay, guys, guys. <laughs> Galadriel's daughter, whose name escapes me, and I want to kill myself because I don't remember. <laughs> it, it's Elrond's um, wife or partner, and uh, it's the mother of Arwen. Okay, all so right. So right. Arwen is Galadriel's granddaughter. Right, right, okay. So that makes Galadriel Shit. Elrond's mother-in-law. Uh, <laughs> fuck. All right. <laughs> so it's explained in the appendix when you learn the story of how Arwen and Aragorn met in the gardens of Rivendell. He was like 23 and she was like a thousand or two thousand, whatever, even more. I don't even wow, remember. that's kinky as shit. He's never, he's never seen her because she spends time away at Lorien with her right. mother or her grandmother. Again, details escape me yeah. and I'll probably misremember some things, but that I am sure is true. Like, it, it, you know, I know it's that. Yeah, okay. that right. She was in Lorien, you know, <laughs> away. Galadriel, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a bunch Fuck. of stuff that happens yes. in between. Yes, you know this? I missed that, man. Two, I somehow right. missed that, son of a bitch. I'm sad I don't remember <laughs> the name of the mom. I feel like my Tolkien cards should be revoked because I don't remember but okay. <laughs> well, you're already ahead of okay. me on that one somehow I missed that Galadriel was his mother-in-law wow fuck mm -hmm. that really fucks my brain up that really changes my perspective on a lot of Elrond's decisions why why <laughs> Why is that uh, a big of a deal? At the no, end? I, like I just I'm I'm remembering the book and I'm remembering how Elrond dealt with shit and especially with like his temptation of the ring and Galadriel's temptation of the ring, 
And well, also a- because they have the Elven Rings that yeah. they they have that in common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I get that, but I'm just, I'm saying that, like, I'm trying to think, uh, I'm going to have to do a deep dive on this on my own, I can't do it right now while I'm thinking about it, but, like, this is, like, starting to fuck with my perspective on Elrond's decisions, and this is really bothering me now, like, now I'm thinking that Elrond has a whole <laughs> fucking, like, side thing about, like, what he doesn't want to fuck his mother-in-law, god damn it, now this is really bothering me, alright, I, I gotta go back and reread the book. I- I'm sorry, I didn't know this was gonna like open this Pandora's box of things this for you. Cracked me wide open. I don't man. see what the big deal is because they have in common they're both holders of the rings of power given right. to the elves, so that's a big deal. Shit! All right, I got I, I got to make sure that the schism that I'm feeling right now is non-justified. Like this is a real schism that I'm having right now. <laughs> I feel like I fa- I'm failing because I don't remember the name of Arwen's mother. So to I'm be sorry. fair, to be fair, yeah, I did right. not read the Silmarillion. I like I, I got through like a couple chapters of it and it like bored me to tears and I put it down it's, and I just I couldn't do it. So. <laughs> I would recommend then in later years they publish uh, fleshed out ex- ex- excerpts excerpts. Excerpts, yeah. Ex- Thank you. Of the Silmarillion, like the Sons of Urin, is uh, is really interesting. Um, there is Beren and Luthien, the Ballad of Beren and Luthien. You know, they've been published as like individual stories, mm-hmm. and there is a third one that whose that name is escaping me. And they're very very interesting. I would argue some of the best stories are the Silmarillion. You know, mm-hmm. if you ask me yeah. which I would take and wanted to read more fleshed out, it would have been those ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of this is in the appendix appendices appendices thank yeah. you appendices of lord of the rings yeah. right. like the the article and Arwen thing and all that is in the appendices of lord of the rings so you can just go back and read those shit man yeah. all right yeah I, got, I gotta go back and read it <laughs> yeah so paul do you have any further comments in order to bitch about this movie or is it, this all seems very superficial to me man i gotta tell you like I, I don't think <laughs> i mean it's also objective if you have it if you didn't like the movie that's fine you know like yeah you know i mean okay. all right so when you look at something like cats all right like you you have very real reasons <laughs> on why cats is a piece of shit right? listen sure. without having seen it i would argue there is an audience for everything oh my god there. <laughs> yeah, there is you guys rule, rule, whether we it, like rule it or number not 43 of the internet it's like if it exists there's a porno made of it so <laughs> there, uh, there like is an audience for everything you yeah. know it is yeah. the truth as mind-boggling as that is sometimes you see something and you're like wow that's really bad yeah. But there is somebody out there who's gonna like it. I mean, enjoy keeping it. up with the Kardashians is celebrating its twentieth season. So, how the fuck did that happen? This is why we can't have good things, America. Yeah. This is why. <laughs> no, people like I it. I will. I will say that I bought all the extended editions. Yeah. Of these Hobbit movies and watched Good. all the appendices, whatever ninety <laughs> hours of material that was. <laughs> And when I moved, I didn't feel bad about giving up all that and not keeping those with me. You fucking suck. All right. <laughs> you know, it's it's not a bad movie. Like, there's a lot of great stuff in so, there. But thinking about it. I just have, I have problems with how 
bloated it is and how unnecessary a lot of it is. And I wish Guillermo yeah, sure. del Toro took, took this movie in a different direction. And I think do you do you feel like better. this movie could have been made in one movie sort of thing and you would have been satisfied with it? Or should it have been two movies? Yeah. Or, or I think I think if they had taken the tone of the children's book and made it this weird zany adventure that was only superficially connected to the Lord of the Rings instead of trying to make it this big like dramatic turn all of that like I think I would have enjoyed it more hmm. it's just it's too long not enough happens <laughs> it's, it's drawn out not enough happens yeah. too many stuff too much stuff happens i yeah, would say but yeah. anyway you know fair paul all <laughs> those are fair points in my opinion yeah. they are fair points you know it's like did yeah. it need it to be three movies it's up for debate it really yeah. is i don't feel like i would have been personally satisfied if this was only one movie like it would have had to have been at least two as much as the, two, as two, much as the hobbit I mean, as much it, as the I hobbit think... was a one book thing <laughs> Like, I feel like it would have just felt unsatisfying if it was only one movie. Because it would have been, in my opinion, because it's in The Hobbit is very much told through Bilbo's point of view, right? Yeah. In general. That's why we miss the battle, right? Because he gets knocked out. So, it, it, you, in the movie medium, right, when you adapt into the screen, right. you, you fleshed out the stories. Yeah. Sometimes to a deeper, you know, to... There's more characters. There's more things that places that you visit. Which, in all fairness, books do that too. But yeah. in this case, you know, the movie fleshed out things that were only alluded to yep. in the book. Sure. I mean, yeah. you know, Bard is the places that in one sentence you know, or some shit like that. You know, and, now and he's he, got... and he kills Maug and all that, yeah. and we meet his family. And the the yeah. woodland elves and the whole thing with Legolas and Thranduil and sure. Thoriel is a great example of that as well. Um, even the the cast of ca the dwarves in the book, we only hear like the, we know their names, but we only get to know a few of them. You know, Fili, Kili, Thoring, Dwalling. Uh, bowing, but the rest they're just names yep. and they're just yeah. part of it but here you get to put faces on them and personalities yep. and they yeah. all, they each get their moment a little bit even if not all, not all of them speak and have speaking roles or whatever that work that works you know that makes it interesting and rich sure. no yeah. i like there's a lot of what they did that's really great from an adaptation point of view but in the end it feels too much like a soulless money grab to me <laughs> and i think if they had just trimmed the it down movie or all three of no, them all three <laughs> if they had just maybe if they had tried to stick with two movies i think i would have been more on board yeah more on board but <laughs> just somewhere along the line you paid it, to it go crosses see this that theaters, oh though, yeah right for sure yeah yeah, right. no. Uh, they got your money. So fuck. I it. mean, by the time by the time this came out, I was like, I wasn't that excited to see it. I just wanted, I wanted to to get it over with, and because <laughs> it, it just, I wanted that nostalgia of the original Lord of the Rings to happen. Right. But it just, by the time I got through the second movie, which I think is honestly the strongest of them, for sure, like. For sure. It wasn't doing it for me, and my barrels and all, Paul. 
with the battle with, song. Yes, yeah. Well, I mean, Smog is really great. I'm just teasing. Smog yes. is really great. Yes. Uh, we haven't even talked about Smog, yeah. and we're almost done. But yes, he was really great. He but really uh, great. yeah, even though there's a lot of problems with that movie, and that's why I'm kind of like, well. Let's just get it over with, and maybe he'll <laughs> surprise me. And it was, you know, there's lots of entertainment, but over overall, it was excessive and a money grab. So it was excessive. It was a lot. That's true. <laughs> uh, uh, so, I would add that. It, so that whole that okay, whole right. aspect tarnishes Peter Jackson for me, and mm. kind of tarnishes a lot of. A lot of Lord of the Rings, my experience in New Zealand and all that stuff. It just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. strong, man, uh, for one movie to find I mean, it, it's not like it's ruined it for me, but it's uh, it's scraped off some of the luster, if you could say. You know, let me, let me back up for a second and ask you, did Return, or I'm sorry, did uh, The Last Jedi scrape off the luster of Star Wars for you? I was, I was like, Three when I saw the Last Jedi and I obsessed over that movie. No, for no, no, no. 10 Last years. Jedi, no, Ryan no, no, Johnson. No, no. Last Jedi. Oh, Last yeah. Jedi. Uh, uh, no, I was fine with the Last Jedi. As it far just didn't as scrape the lack or didn't scrape the luster off of it. Yeah, like I mean that happened. The, the the original prequel trilogy scraped the luster off of Star Wars for me, so it was. <laughs> The it's only fair. thing that Last Jedi could have done for me was maybe improve my hopes of a better third movie or something like that from that trilogy. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Rise of Skywalker. Last Jedi <laughs> did tarnish <laughs> my enjoyment of the last movie. But my thing with The Last Jedi, I've always said, I think it's a fantastic movie. But it is a terrible sequel to The Force Awakens, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know, I think that Last Jedi it's a legit, entertaining, super fun, well done movie. It just does a terrible job at being a sequel to The Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my a, one line. It does a terrible you know? job of being a sequel to A New Hope, is what you're saying. That's what you're really saying, right? Just get the off Last it, Jedi. Get off it, kid. Yeah, because like, <laughs> Force is, Awakens is A New yeah, Hope. It's I the know. same fucking movie. We already established. Force it. Awakens was amazing. Was Force Moon of oh, oh, so Force Movement Moon yeah. of Endor. Blah, blah blah blah. Yeah, it's the same fucking. I movie. love the Force Awakens <laughs> and. Again, I thought The Last Jedi, again, solid movie. Love Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker. It's just a shitty sequel to The Force oh Awakens. All right. It doesn't yeah, work yeah, as a sequel. Yeah, but yeah, that, that, you do understand good. the difference I'm trying to make. You know what I mean? It's, I a, great, it's a good movie. It's a really, yeah. really good movie. It's just a bad sequel to The Force Awakens. It doesn't work as a sequel. All That's right. it. Well, That's it's what better I mean. than what Paul gave it. Paul so, shot uh, all over it. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys... I, I, the, have, the more I watch it, the less I like it. Let's put it that way. But okay. Oh, my God. All right. So do you guys have anything else you want to add? I love this movie. I don't give a fuck what you got to say. That's all I got to say. Uh, so I, know. I, know. I love this movie. <laughs> um, all I got to say is, like, I think, Paul, you make fair points. You know, we, we, I think it's important to recognize that there is merit to some of the stuff that you complain about. Sure. But at the end of the day, I stand by what I said. It's a very personal experience. The mm -hmm. last thing I would add is, like, The Hobbit holds a special place in my heart because because of the first Hobbit movie, I met my husband. Oh. 
you know? So <laughs> that is a milestone. And it we is. called it Hobbit Day. Wow. You know, yeah. every year is Hobbit Day because that's the day, you know, that's how we met, you know? Like, and that they whole connection because... to your previous life in uh, Venezuela and growing yeah. up with this, like, that's yeah. significant. And that's... being obsessed with it. Exactly. There's uh, so much yeah. to this that, yeah. I, that I attach to this movie, you know, in my life and to Tolkien and to the world of Middle Earth. It means a lot to me, you know, and they, I am very emotionally attached to a lot of different things. Like I could talk about Star Wars all day or Harry Potter or things like that. But if you were to tell, you were to ask me, what is the one that defined me or that I would pick if I will only have to get one, it would probably be Middle Earth. It would probably be Lord of the Rings, you know, out of yeah. all these worlds that I love. Yeah. Um, and I think I can say that and, and, and feel like definitive. It's the truth. I thing. would agree. So, Lord of I loved the Rings it. I really did. More than yeah. Star Wars, I would say. Like as much as I love yeah. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings shaped me more mm -hmm. as a, what I yeah. love in film and what I really yeah. attach to and shit yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. Greatly altered Absolutely. my life. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted to be a movie director because, you know, Kill Bill and yeah. Lord of the Rings. You yeah. know, those were the, the, the movies that made me want to be a movie director. And that's why I went to film school. Yeah. You know? So it, it's a lot. It's 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 like in here, like in yeah. my skin, yeah. you know. So it's hard to separate that. Hard yeah. to argue. Well, hard to argue with that. Well, anyway, mm -hmm. Paul, for uh, for next week, I, I don't know what you were thinking about next week. Not to not to move on until the end, but like uh, next week, what are you what are you looking at? Do you want to go and look at uh, Alexander, which is what we were gonna do, Laura, before uh, when you canceled? We had talked about Ooh. wanting to do Alexander because that is uh, a disaster on so many yeah, proportions. I, mean, man. I, I, I watched the whole thing. I watched the whole thing, so we might as well <laughs> oh, do that. Man. Yeah, we were, gonna do, one, we were gonna do the. Uh, <laughs> the final cut of uh, Alexander, which is the three and a half hour version. Yeah, I already watched that, so you should. We should do that. So my time wasn't okay. completely wasted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was prepping wow. for it, and I was watching it, and I was just like, I was halfway through it, and I was just like, Jesus Christ, how did this happen? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you guys are gonna make me watch it again. I haven't watched Alexander uh, in years. Kitty. Oh my god. Um, I think. I think the what is it the final revised the final cut, cut yeah. is much better a much better the movie theatrical. than the theatrical yeah it I think to me it makes it almost palatable <laughs> so <laughs> it's a, yeah is dramatic a, improvement is it Oliver Stone Oliver yeah. Stone yes. Uh so many issues don't don't worry laura when i when we when yeah. we do do alexander i'm gonna go into all those issues about oliver stone and his hugo chavez bullshit yeah. and this connection yeah. and blah, blah, blah. yeah i mean i'm, I'm, I'm venezuelan so man. i can't i can't yeah. like oliver stone no doubt so no doubt that. and yeah. I, w I will mm -hmm. go into that i promise you you don't have to be yes. worried about that yes. because i will <laughs> shit on oliver stone and how he's become a piece of shit yeah. filmmaker because yeah, he's been sucking up to a fucking despotic ruler because he's a piece of shit. But besides yep. all that, so <laughs> next next week you really want to do Alexander. <laughs> next week you really want to do Alexander there, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Can't just. <laughs> I already Bail. fucking watched it, so yeah. yeah. You you gotta sit down and finish this shit, Gabe. <laughs> Can't just back you know out like that. 
You know what I do want to watch this weekend is I want to watch uh, the new Conjuring movie that's on HBO Max. I want to sit down and watch that as well. I'm going to watch that tomorrow. Oh, I want to watch that. I just I, watched I mean, uh, yeah. A Quiet Place 2 today. I went back for the first time ever to go see a movie in theaters <laughs> with an audience <laughs> oh, wow, today. Wow. It was my first movie in over a year, like 15 months or whatever it's been since I've gone to see a movie with like an audience. And I went to go see A Quiet Place 2 today, and I was so happy because I'm vaccinated and I felt safe and I had food and I watched a movie in my favorite movie theater which is Alamo Draft House like it was fucking great man it was so so good even though the movie wasn't particularly great it was so great to like go and see a movie like I felt so vindicated I was like oh my god thank god that they survived I was really worried I was gonna have to go sit in an AMC with a bunch of fucking Philistines chewing on their popcorn fuck those people (laughs) And we're back to game hating yeah. on everything. Yeah. I mean, we're back. Come on. Yeah, I'm sorry. Chill. My, that's my Chill. that's my voice. That's my voice. I got to be a critic. <laughs> so that that was The Hobbit, 2014. So we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. This this is Paul Schindel signing off, and uh, that guy, what's his name? Gabe Chavez. Gabe Chavez. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Dwarf and co-host. special guest Laura. Thank you, yep. Laura. Thank you for yep. being on our, our burglar. <laughs> you stole the show. Thank you for having yeah, me. Guys. You stole the show, Laura. You did. Yeah. You, with your, uh, your deep your knowledge. I didn't know. Dude. I didn't know you were that. Yeah. I didn't know you were that deep into it. I, that was pretty good. I apologize to my fellow Tolkien fans if I got some facts maybe confused because you're going old, straight from memory. That's yeah. really impressive. impressive yeah. <laughs> like, it's been a while. So, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. You know, but thank you for having me, guys. This was a yeah, lot we, of fun. We'd love to yeah, have you back on, Laura. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta figure out what the next like big nerd dumb thing that we're gonna look at yes. that I need a nerd's Harry Potter. Uh, oh my God! Don't let me get it. Don't <laughs> let me get it. <laughs> What, what do you say, Paul? What was it, say? Harry Potter. I'm ready. Oh my Bring God. it on. Let's right. do it. Yeah, I mean, if we do Harry Potter, we got to do it as a series because I got problems with multiple oh. movies. It's not just like oh, one movie God. that I have a problem with. <laughs> That's not like you know I, I I love it, but I can definitely pick apart those movies. They're so, easy, t- easy, so t- yeah. just real quick, your your husband said that he'll defend Half Blood Prince because he actually liked it. For me, I thought it was the biggest piece of shit out of the See, entire. I disagree with that. I would say Goblet of Fire is the most. Goblet of one. Fire is pretty bad. Yeah, that is one. The, that, one is the, me uh, like. that that in my opinion, out of the, all of them, is the the, the most flawed. Out of all of them. So, yeah. I remember that we went to go see Goblet of Fire with our friend Jim, and I was just sitting there like... (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was so bored when I was watching that movie. I was like, two and a half hours of this? Like, what the fuck is happening, man? I mean, you bring it me as the defender, I'll defend it. You know, but, yeah, it's... it's, Yeah. But we can all agree that Prisoner of Azkaban is the best one, right? We can all agree on that. All right, Indeed, all right. yes. As long as we're on the same page as that, or else we're going to have, yeah. have a fight right now. So. <laughs> we could deep, deep dive into that, but yeah, in general, yes. All right. Well, thank you guys once again. This is the Movie no, Dicks Podcast. I already did that game, yep. you son of a bitch. <laughs> I, already, I already put the outro out there. Yeah, good night, guys. <laughs> Bye, guys. Uh.